Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Happy birthday. Wait. What? You don't get, like, no one sings you, like, birthday if it's your 100th episode. No. There's no, like, known song. Is there a song about 100? There was, like, an old Buster Rhymes song that was, was, like, built around the sample, which is 100, 100, 100, 100. We should play that, definitely. Okay, I'll make that the, the initial nice. song. Okay, great. All right, good. Well, good, good good choice. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast that's been going for 100 episodes now. Whoa. That's 40 years of podcasting. <laughs> And uh, the, your hosts for that entire run have been me, Andrew Levins. And me, Siobhan Coombs, except for a couple of times when I wasn't there. No, nah, you're here. Awesome. Those things don't count. They True. do. They do or else we wouldn't. We do, like, <laughs> <laughs> or we'd, we'd be in some weird like Marvel renumbering situation yeah. oh, where we're like, no, well, what you do is you take the four episodes of <laughs> Hey Fam that Siobhan was a guest on, and then she was a guest on that Batman podcast, and they ignore all the other podcasts that Levins has done, except one specific one where we brought up comics. Then it's a hundred. That's comics. how we've worked this out. Comics. This is what the, that this that is what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Every week we read all of last week's comics and uh, let you know which were the good ones and the bad ones and uh, our thoughts on all of them. Um, and uh, normally we kick things off with a little segment called First Things First, in which we review uh, all of the number ones that came out last week. And because it's our hundredth episode, mm-hmm. I thought I would do something. Pretty crazy to celebrate. Um, I thought, you know, and we, Siobhan and I discussed this. I thought we would we would review a hundred number ones this episode. How good does that sound, everyone? So that's what we've got, right? A hundred yeah, number ones. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I did it. Did you also do it? I read a hundred number ones. Yeah, yeah same. Cool. Yeah, cool. Let's do, let's hey, start talking about that. Shakespeare. You forgot <laughs> that you're meant to be the person that that got confused. What? So the whole thing, maybe I should have explained oh, this better. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I only read one issue 100. <laughs> All right, I'm going to commit to this bit. Yeah, cool. Oh, okay, well, I guess we can review one issue 100 instead of 100 number ones. I read issue 100 of Tarot, which is a real comic that came out recently, but we were actually sold out of it. I thought we were going to pretend now that we that were going to review the Ultimates issue 100. Yeah, I just figured if we were pretending, I'd pretend that I read Tarot 100. <laughs> What do they teach you at Shakespeare School? <laughs> Improv. Yes, and. Come on. They taught you 
No, yes, and at Shakespeare me. School. <laughs> they didn't teach me that. They did teach me like, um, uh, like ye oldie dancing. It's a lot of clapping and walking in circles. There's dance in, in, in Shakespeare now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. There's a thing at the end of now. all Shakespeare plays where everyone comes on and does a dance afterwards. I can't remember what it's called, but that's a real thing. That like even at the end of the really depressing plays, everyone just gets up and comes out and dances at the that's end. A, or even the dead characters? Yeah. Great. It's really good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we didn't, we didn't plan anything special. Um, not, not even a good bit at the beginning. No, we didn't. I'm sorry. Our, our acting skills uh, failed us once again. I ruined it. Mostly I was all planning. I just kind of sat down and hit record and was like, yeah, Siobhan will get it. <laughs> I don't get things. <laughs> um, but what you do get is all of the number ones that came out last week, and we're going to review them right now in this week's edition of First Things First. Uh, DC, uh, the winner again, um, three, three weeks in a row now, putting out the most number ones in one week. Um, and uh, this week we got three number ones from them, and uh, we're going to kick it off with a review of Dark Knight's Rising, The Wild Hunt number one. Uh, which is the like kind of like the second to last chapter in the um, Dark Knights. What's it called again? The Dark Knights Metal yep. um, event that Scott Snyder has been writing. Uh, he wrote this with uh, Grant Morrison, James Tinney in the fourth, and Joshua Williamson. Uh, and you have uh, multiple artists lending their pens, pencils, and inks to this uh, I- this issue. We have Howard Porter, Jorge Jimenez, and Doug Mankey with Jamie Mendoza, um, and then colors by Hi-Fi, Alejandro Sanchez, and Will Quintana. Oh boy. Ooh. There's a lot of people involved. A lot of people involved in this book. Um, uh, it's a tour de force in terms of art. Some of my favorite kind of DC artists um, that they've got over there right now exclusively. Yeah, but I don't know if everyone like necessarily works together seamlessly. No, definitely not. I don't think... I, it's I, a bit I, of a mishmash. What, what's especially baffling is that they didn't just assign an artist to a particular arc within yeah. this issue. You just have... And they did this with all of the preludes for this event. You just have like, you know, pages... I don't know, I'm just off the top of my head, like, you know, 1 to 12 given to to um, mm. Howard Porter and then, you know, Jorge Jimenez doing the next 12. And it, so it's, it's really weird. You get different iterations of... Although Jorge Jimenez and, and, um, and Doug Mankey's panels, they, they, their art styles are pretty pretty similar. Howard Porter is the one that kind of is the most different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't, it wasn't too distracting. It just, you know, it, it was just a strange decision on DC's absolutely part. Absolutely agree. Um, I will have to say this was easily the most fun I've had with this event since those prelude issues. Yep, agreed. Um, it really felt like, you know, what we loved about this metal event when it started was that it was this big kind of celebration of not just the DC universe in general, but also like a lot of things that we haven't gotten much of in recent years. Um, so you had like a whole bunch of Plastic Man, you had... Uh, a lot of Detective Jim. The, dark, the Black Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was lots, lots of great stuff. And then, yeah, so this this issue... Um, after after we got so many issues of just like you know these evil evil versions of Batman led by the um, the the Joker the man Batman who laughs who and like you know and they all have like the worst um, word balloons in history. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you thought reading red like a, a red bubble with black text over it. How about a black bubble with red text over it? Whoa, he seems really evil. Yeah, um, he's evil because that's a stupid way to read <laughs> for your eyes. Um, but, um, yeah, I thought uh, after how dark this series has gotten, this was actually quite fun and light and easy to read and, um, you know, uh, having it kind of a book ended by, um, story, a story involving detective chimp and kind of telling the origin story of detective chimp. Um, and then it it looks like he's going to be like the one who's going to help save the day. Thank goodness. With a, with a horde of other ape characters in the DC universe or in one of the, somewhere from within the the multiverse. Um, I think that you can really 
like Grant Morrison's voice comes across really strongly in this issue. Definitely. I think that's why it's like so fun and like Grant Morrison is so great at plumbing the sort of weird depths of the DCU for for gold. Yeah, well you have all of the uh, all the doctors and geniuses banding together to try and solve, you know, fix fix the the, the problems of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, last time they all did this was in one of the, my favorite plots in the 52 event mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. um which Morrison was one of the four riders on that event. Um, but we've got the metal men, we've got Dr. Morrow, we've got Dr. Savannah, we've got the whole the whole team. Yeah, it's really really fun and of course Detective Chimp too, but kind of providing like a really nice heart to uh mm. to, to this book. Um, and then, you know, you also have all the, the boring dark Batman showing up at some point. Um, oh, even, uh, what's his name? The Red Hurricane is in, in this as well. Red Tornado. Red Tornado, whatever, Red Hurricane. <laughs> I localized him. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I thought this was really, really fun and definitely kind of made me annoyed that the whole event wasn't like this. Yeah, totally. Because um, it feels like, you know, like Snyder definitely has it in him to write an entire event like this, but because of his pairing with... Um, uh, what's his name? Regular artist. Um, who's been Capullo? Yeah, Greg Capullo. Like Capullo is just you know you, you naturally write darker stories for him to to do his you know his very metal kind of yeah. stuff. For. I mean, I suppose it is called metal. What do we yeah, expect? Yeah, they're just like a bunch of old dudes who still think that metal is cool. Don't don't kill me, Jim. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I I enjoyed this. This is definitely my, the highlight of the entire event for me so far. Agreed. And I think Definitely. there's like one issue left, so I, I doubt I doubt that th- that will be as good as this. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, it's almost a tease that they give us this beforehand to show us how good the event could have been this whole time. Very rude of them. Um, so that's Dark Knight's Rising the Wild Hunt. Um, definitely don't pick it up if you haven't been reading the entire event. Yeah. Or, or the, no. yeah the Detective Chimp stuff is kind of cool, but... Yeah, you, I guess you'll then you get want... immediately lost. But if you're a regular Grant Morrison writer, you won't be too too unfamiliar with that feeling. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> if you just want like a basic origin story for Detective Chimp, read Wikipedia. <laughs> so another event that is going on uh, over in DC at the moment is the uh, crossover with the Young Animal uh, line, which is called Milk Wars. And uh, this week we've got Shade the Changing Girl and Wonder Woman coming together, uh, written by Shade the Changing Girl regular writer Cecil Castellucci. Uh, this is one of our favorite series of last mm-hmm. year. Um, and we have art in this issue by Mirka Andolfo and Marissa Louise. Um, and yeah, in, in, in all, all of these books, there is this weird milk mm-hmm. in um, that, that's turned the kind of beloved DC heroes into kind of... Uh, weird cultish versions of themselves that are kind of slaves to the milk. Mm-hmm. And um, this, because Shade the Changing Girl kind of dealt with um, femininity and, and like what it's like to be a, a young girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know we know that Shade the Changing Girl is going to be become, Shade, become Shade the Changing Woman when it, when it returns after this event. Um, this took the, uh, the breast milk route. Um, You'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, was all about the expectations that are put on women to, to uh, but also it's, it, while, while like, so Wonder Woman is like, this is like the milk provider. So you get some of the, the most scantily clad images of Wonder Woman I've ever seen, but yeah, it's not sexualized not. in any way. Well. Look, oh, I guess so. It is. But I mean. <laughs> She's bathing in a like huge bath of milk. It's fairly, I would say it's fairly sexualized, but in a sort of like. Madonna kind of way. Yeah, um, I was into it. Yeah, this was uh, this was like really, really trippy and weird, and but very, very in line with what Shade the Changing Girl um, was like. So absolutely, and we see Shade um, 
split into multiple parts, each representing a different um, emotion. emotion. And she has to sort of keep Wonder Wife's emotions. That's right. Not Wonder Woman, Wonder Wife. Wonder Wife's emotions stable and keep her happy and good. But the happy shade does not feel so happy in her current situation. And it was like, this was really gorgeous and well told and like a nice little one shot and I loved it. Yeah, Mirka Andolfo is not an artist that I recognize from anywhere um, but I thought no. they were a great fit for the, for the shade style. Absolutely agreed. Um, but m- more than anything this book just made me want Shade the Changing Girl or Shade the Changing Woman back ASAP please. Yeah, yes please. Yeah, but uh, I think I liked the Mother Panic Batman um, crossover a bit more than this one but I still thought this was awesome. Yeah, for me I think it goes Mother Panic Shade the Changing Girl Doom Patrol. The Doom Patrol is pretty, pretty goddamn low. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, good. Uh, the, the, the Milk Wars definitely has picked up since that first weird uh, Justice League Doom Patrol crossover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Siobhan, first DC gave us Dark Knights Rising the Wild Hunt. Then they gave us Milk Wars, <laughs> Shade the Changing Girl, and Wonder Woman. And now prepare for the brand new line of DC heroes, the new age of heroes. Um, they've given us damage. They've given Whoa. us Silencer. And All now... those big names. This week they gave us Sideways. This is the... the... sequel to the Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church <laughs> uh, movie in which they uh, go across California drinking wine and cheating on their wives. That sounds nice. <laughs> is um, it a movie? No, I haven't seen it's that movie. It's a good movie. Pretty good movie. I, I read a weird DC comic about that drawn by Kenneth Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered that when um the casting for Ant-Man got... Um, came out. Yeah, my partner Nate thought that um, when I said Paul Rudd, he thought I meant Paul Giamatti. <laughs> so he was like, "That's really weird casting, but I like it. I think that's really good." Um, who, who, who we all know and remember and love as the Rhino in that yes. second abominable, amazing Spider-Man of movie. So good, so weird. You know what's this? One of the silliest things about all these new, the new age of DC heroes is that these are all spin-offs from Dark Knight's Metal, a event which still has not finished. Yeah, and and so this one, it really, really felt like we weren't meant to be reading this. Like this is like, like not only has has DC kind of you know stolen ideas from from Marvel um, to create these characters, they've also stolen their pu- publishing fuck ups because mm. because pu- putting the uh, the follow up um, comics to an event out before the event finishes, that's an entirely Marvel thing to do. It's a classic Marvel. And they've been doing it for years. So DC's really taking a page out of their book for this one. Uh, this was like a. I guess like a Spider-Man riff. Yeah. Uh, so much so that he is even, uh, he lives in New York. He lives in, mm-hmm. uh, not, not Queens. So yeah, he's definitely in, it looks like Manhattan. Um, uh, this was, uh, they're putting the artist first on all these books, which is you know, fine. I think that's a cool move. Yeah. Um, especially when the writer is Dan DiDio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I was like, Ooh, Kenneth Rockefort. Wait a second. Yeah. So Kenneth Rockefort, um, or Rockefort, um, does, uh, does the art on this. Um, and we last saw him again over at Marvel. Um, on Ultimates? Yeah, Ultimates. Um, and he's solely missed. Um, but here we have him doing kind of like a more kind of grounded high school kid who has the ability to create doors and teleport sideways through them. Yeah, he goes sideways, guys. That's why his name is Sideways. That's a stupid name. It's one of the worst superhero names I think I've ever heard. So yeah, this was um this was written by Dan DiDio, but then the dialogue was by Justin Jordan with Dan DiDio. Okay, that's better. I yeah. was because I was quite surprised at how like okay the dialogue was for a teen boy. Well, so considering it was Dan DiDio. The art is cool. The dialogue is pretty good. Yeah, 
the story sucks and the concept is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the story is like a bit tragic. It's like he's a teen. He's a teen. He's a teen boy who has some powers, and now he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live, live blog it. I'm gonna live video stream it. What do kids do? Yeah, I'm gonna Snapchat my superheroics. Um, so a, lo- lo- a like, lot of the yeah, a lot of the book is him kind of telling his followers what he's doing as he's doing it, and of course that means that he you know fucks up a lot. Um, and then towards the end, he starts hearing a voice um, telling him to accept the crisis ultimatum: your infractions must cease. And uh, the end of the comic uh, brings him face to face with an enormous demon straight out of apocalypse. It looks like, but maybe not. Some big troll guy or something. <laughs> Who says he tells him that his sentence is death. So Look, I liked this much more than I thought I was going to. Uh, I I guess after Silencer surprised the heck out of me. I was kind of ex- well. This is one that I was like, I love Kenneth Rockefeller. So yeah. I was like, I actually went into this with some form of expectations. Um, and uh, I just yeah, I, until that happened, I was like, this is a pointless book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I don't know. I guess I'll stick around to see if, if this if this has him leaving New York to go to this weird trolls dimension. I'll stick around. Yeah. But if he spends one more second in New York. <laughs> That is it. I'm tearing up every copy I see. Um, but the nice, big, beautiful splash page of New York by Kenneth Rockefeller. That's lovely. It's incredible. But I, I, I don't know if I'm... Like, I don't believe in New York in the DC universe. <laughs> totally. Like, where where does that fit? But I know that they do... Like, you know, it does exist, as does, like, you know, California. And, mm. or, like, you know, like, yeah, the DC universe just kind of crams these fictional cities in amongst all the pre-existing cities. Yeah. But I just... In my head, I'm like... Whenever they mention New York in the DC universe, I'm like, oh, but you have... Just say Metropolis. Yeah, exactly. Make it Metropolis. Who cares? Well, I, I always think Gotham is, is New York and, and and Metropolis is Chicago. But sometimes maybe oh, I think I always it's assumed the it was the other way around. Yeah. I mean, it's open to interpretation. But is also it's... Chicago and New York exist in, in, in the DC universe, so... Yeah. Uh, neither. Hmm. Uh, so sideways. Um, I'm going to stick with it to see uh, if... If, um, if anything happens yeah. of value. Which means I, I, I was going to stick with Silencer too. So they're two, two, two out of three. Um, I'm oh, definitely you're not, not going to keep re- reading Damage? Well, I, I wasn't. I was like, I can't wait to never see this guy's face again. And he showed up in an issue of a comic I read. Oh, really? Like, yeah. And it was, yeah. So I'm uh, more on that later. Boo. Uh, over to Marvel now. We got one number one from them. Uh, very, 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 you know, oh, small, read. small uh, numbers. Yeah. I um, I think you would have enjoyed this. this is my continued no Star Wars comics. Uh, so Star Wars this Thing. week, um, we got a the first issue of um, the adaptation of the Thrawn novel, um, which is a um, novel, a beloved kind of uh, extend. What do they call it? Extended universe. Whatever yep. it is, EU whatever. extended universe um, novel that was written um, quite a few years ago by Timothy Zahn, um, and it is one of the few things from the EU that was not destroyed. This is kind of being kept. I'm not sure if the entirety has been kept in continuity, but they acknowledge it as a thing that happened in the current iteration of Star Wars movies and, and media that, that 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 they didn't destroy when when uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm. Okay. Um, so uh, this this adaptation has been written by Jody Hauser with art by Luke Ross, who I believe did an adaptation of like one of the movies, okay. uh, like maybe Rogue One or something like that. And I remember being like, "Oh, this is fine, but I'll just watch the movie if I want to re- revisit this story again." Yeah. Um, I've never actually read Thrawn before. I know it's beloved, um, and and he is such a striking character design. Which yeah. I'm not sure if this is, this comes straight out of the Timothy Zahn's descriptions of him in his novel, but um, Luke Ross's art in this book is really really great. There's no bullshit uh, photo referencing that we've been getting mm-hmm. from a lot of other Star Wars books lately. 
just excellent cartooning. Um, and House's dialogue that she, or, you know, a breaking up of Zahn's dialogue is really, really well done. This um, uh, Thrawn is basically um, a, a new race that um, the Empire has never encountered before. He allows himself to be captured in order to kind of befriend them and learn more about them and their world. Um, and in return, he will tell them about his um, and so we see him kind of um, being given a, quite a high up ranking uh, within the Empire, uh, much to the resentment of his other, um, you know, fellow soldiers. Um, and uh, a kind of a mystery starts to unfold. It, it was really, really great. This is the kind of Star Wars comic I want mm-hmm. that doesn't have, you know, Luke and Han and all, you know, BB-8 in it. Mm. It's just, you know, it's set in the same universe and, and feels like a, just, it feels like they're expanding the universe, which is exactly what the, uh, the extended universe novels and, and books did all those years ago. Um, yeah, more of this, please. This is really, really cool. Please allow Jodie Hauser after this to just do whatever the fuck she wants in the Star Wars universe that she gets to stay on comics. Yeah, cool. I really wish that they would do, like, if they brought back, you know, Knights of the Old Republic or something like that. They're teasing it. I mean, they've, 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 we know that Ryan Johnson, who did Last Jedi, is doing new movies. And then the guys who were doing Game of Thrones just got announced as doing it, their own trilogy as well. Um, it's too many Star Wars movies, guys. Too many Star Wars movies directed by men, too. Yeah. Or written by men. Um, but uh, Too pe- many men. People are, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a good uh, UK garage song called Too Many Men. Oh, yeah. We need some more girls in here. We need some more girls in here. <laughs> too many men. Too many, many men. Too many men. Too many, many men. Good song. That's great. <laughs> That's you. Yeah, happy, happy 100 episodes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I want that to play every time I enter a room. Every episode. That's the new. That's the new. Goodbye, Manny Fresh. We've got a new. We've got a new uh, theme song, <laughs> and it just at the start of every episode, I'm just like, well, I'll let myself out, and Siobhan <laughs> hosts the episode by herself. Yay! <laughs> um, but yeah, people are saying that the, the Game of Thrones dudes might be doing Knights of the Old Republic, but they kind of say that about anything whenever it isn't attached to anything mm. official. Mm. It'll happen. People adore those games. Yeah, and the books as well. Um, so over to Image now. We've got two number ones from Image. Um, and oh my god, you actually read it? Yeah, I did. I did. I did read it. Um, Despite my like real loathing of the whole series. So, well, I mean, you can. There are definitely instances where you can look at a book and be like, "I'm not going to enjoy this." And were, yeah. were we not the host of this podcast, I wouldn't because yes, you know, I, even though there is like, 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 okay, we're going to talk about Kickass issue one. Um, Mark Millar, Mark Miller. Um, I don't know why I say Malar. It's just I always say Malar because it's got an A. <laughs> but I don't know if that's correct. Um, with um, but I hope I'm pronouncing his name wrong. John Romita Jr. on art. It's the original team. Um, uh, John Romita Jr. on pencils with uh, Peter Stegewald. Stegewald. Uh, on digital inks and colors and letters by John Workman. Um, so this is a, a reboot, I guess, of the universe. Uh, we got we got the first two volumes of, of Kick-Ass were turned into movies. And then I guess Kick-Ass dies in the third the third volume. I've never read that part. Me neither, and I never will. Um, but now we have this reimagining of Kick-Ass, um, which is really, really similar to the Silencer book that John Romita Jr. just did the art for yeah. for DC. But hilariously, that book is so much better and so much more nuanced and subtle than this book. I yes. mean, that should come as a surprise to nobody because Mark Millar, like, you know, for as readable as his books generally always are, even if you hate them, there yeah. is this lightness to his books. And I think that comes from his complete lack of subtlety. Mm. It's just like, you kind of like, you know where the story's going. It kind of delivers everything that you expect it to. And then you just, you know, you push through it and it's like, oh, God, I'm certainly reading a comic right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, which is like no mean feat. Like that in itself is a skill that he that he that's that's what he is good at as a writer. Is just writing extremely readable page turners. Um, they also are extremely heavy-handed yeah. um, and um, crass in, yeah. in terms of this universe. Um, so the new kick-ass is now um, a returning uh, Marine um, who has killed many terrorists in the Middle East. She has killed a lot of people. Um, so the opening eight pages are just her just killing terrorists. Um, Men in turbans chasing her with swords. And um, in, in Afghanistan. Um, and then she returns home and finds out that her, her husband has left her um, to go like achieve his musical dreams that she's yeah. been supporting as a soldier from, from across the way. Um, and uh, she you know, starts to crave killing um, and decides to do something good for her community and take out drug dealers. Yeah. Yeah, this was like, it's so. Th- w- this was especially hard for me to read and enjoy because it came out the same week that we got the finale of Robert Kirkman's Invincible, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I'll talk about when we talk about Image Comics later. But like, you know, if you've followed any of that series, you know what a beautiful love letter to superheroes and comics that is. Yeah, um, it doesn't try and reinvent it. It just, you know, it modernizes certain, you know, tropes that we expect from, you know, the big two's beloved characters, um, and, and and builds its own world. The finale is just fantastic, and I can't wait to talk about it in in depth later on in the episode. Exactly. But this was just was just the, felt like the fucking opposite of it. It was just like Malar doing this like shitty, fake, grounded, yeah, you know, weird messaging, and then also like, oh, I'm so cool for like making Kickass a. a black woman now yeah totally um like it, it doesn't feel like it was written like, like she may as well just be a guy absolutely absolutely and it's just like like i find it really hard to put my finger on exactly what i don't like about mark Mar, but i'll give it a red hot go but it's just like there's the there's this really shitty tone to everything that he writes and i can't really explain why what it is specifically that I don't like. It's just his fucking shitty tone. Well, he's like, he's like, this character is a badass. And to show you how much of a badass they are, I'm going to make every character that they take down absolutely despicable yeah. and have them say the most shitty things and do the worst things. So you feel like, hell yeah, when she like, you know, punches their Kills eye out. Them. Yeah. Um, and he does that with a lot of his books. And I never, I never think hell yeah. I never think hell yeah. I always think, oh, mm, mm. But look, if I'm going to compliment anything in this book, it's that, again, just like he did on The Silencer, I think this is John Romita Jr. doing some of the better work that I've seen him do in, in recent years. Absolutely. This is John Romita Jr. giving a fuck for once, and it looks great. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, good. Even if I hate the rest of the content, yeah, and will not totally. be reading it. So yeah, I, I, like, we don't want to subject you to us complaining about this book uh, every issue it comes out. There, Part of me, some dark part of me, just like just because I can, mm. or just might just keep reading it. Yeah. I don't know why. I, it, it is so readable. You can smash through this in two minutes. I don't yeah. know what that is about. I, I, it's two minutes that I hate reading, but it's only two minutes, so why wouldn't I just read it? Yeah, totally. That, that, that's my last appeal to me. I don't know mm. why. <laughs> I am going to not waste my life. I'm going to try and not waste my life too. Nice. Uh, Image also put out another book, another book written by Justin Jordan, who we heard from earlier in the episode. Uh, this is called Death of Love, a uh, story by Justin Do- Jordan with art by Donnell DeLay um, and colors by Omar Estevez um, and Philippe Sobrero, um, who we last saw Philippe Sobrero 
I swear he he did the Ghost Rider stuff. No, you know what? He's he's uh, Justin Jordan and Trad Moore's regular colorist. Ah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, so D- Justin Jordan has my like you know I'll always give a shot to what he does yep. because of he he gave us the wonderful creation of um, uh, Luther Strode. Yep. <coughs> and even though it was Trad Moore's art that I fell in love with that, that book, I thought his writing on that was very strong too. Um, this is a um, a book about. Uh, like a, a guy who believes the friend zone is a thing, yeah. Like someone who's just hopelessly, in, hopelessly, hope uh, just hopeless at love. Yep, a classic um, nice guy. Exactly, and 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 thinks that the world, you know, that that girls owe him because mm-hmm. he's nice to them, mm-hmm. um, and can't work out why he is uh, ha- having bad luck in the bedroom department. So he goes to a sweet like um, like the game, a red pill workshop. Uh, he literally takes a red pull in this. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically to try and learn how to, uh, how to tune women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after that proves unsuccessful too, he is visited by a mysterious man who, uh, yeah, tells him to take a red pill. And after he and his friends get drunk enough to take the red pills, they start seeing cupids floating above. Little cute cherubim. Yeah. Like cu- cupids flying above people and shooting their arrows into people. Um, I guess and they're the ones who control love in this world. Who knows? I suppose. But it looks like it's going to be like a loopy, loopy action comic, but the character, the main character kind of is a shithead. Yeah. And and Justin Jordan fully acknowledges that in an essay that he writes at the end of this comic called, So He's an Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is interesting enough for me to give another issue to. I don't know if it's necessarily my thing um, because I already acknowledge that those people suck and that yes. those ideas are shit. Um, yes, this is not a journey that I need to go through personally. But, you know, and, and this it still takes a comedic kind of look at it. It's mm-hmm. still like part of you wants to like the character, I guess, just because of the sympathetic way he's been written. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, might, yeah. it may not be for me. I'll give it another issue to see. I think it's very cute that in the back there's, um, there's a guy who calls himself Dr. Nerdlove. And he's going to be doing little like dating advice, little romance advice stuff in the back. I think that's cute. Yeah, I think that's this great. Is, like it's pretty cute. To be honest, the the um, <coughs> the cartooning doesn't no. especially appeal to me. And there's something a bit wacky with the colors that I don't love. Um, so this is probably not like an ongoing thing for me. But I don't think it was bad by any means. Mm. We'll see. I'll, I'll give it another shot. Another, yeah. another issue. <clears throat> um, finally, last number one that I read this week um, was Cold War, issue number one, written by Christopher Sabella, with art by Hayden Sherman, um, <clears throat> and he also did the letters too. Um, and this is uh, a like a you know set in the future um, semi reality TV thing mm. in in which uh, a bunch of random people from our world are suddenly um, wake up um, with futuristic body armor and weapons and have to fight their way through fighting uh, a war they don't even know started remind me of like uh altered carbon that netflix show i haven't watched any of that yeah. yet i watched the first episode and i did not like it right um but it's the same sort of vibe like they've been in stasis and then they've been woken up to help fight in this war and we don't know who the bad guys are and we have like the ultimate war guy who's our sort of protagonist who's like yes <laughs> Um, Finally, more wars. Yeah, totally. And uh, he, he uh, something funny happens to him. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, this uh, this really, really feels like a, f- a long lost Frank Miller comic. Oh yeah. Um, in terms of art and also kind of subject matter and, and writing, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, absolutely. This is like 
a good Frank Miller vibe. Definitely. I really enjoyed the art on this. The art was, was excellent. Really, really good. I felt great. like when I, by the time I got this issue, I was like, I'm so tired of comics. <laughs> but um, I actually really enjoyed this issue. Yeah. It was good. Um, yeah. I mean, look, if, you, if, uh, if the idea of a, a kind of Frank Miller at, at his peak of creativity throwback mm-hmm. um, from an art point and a story point um, it appeals to you, definitely give this one a shot. I, yeah. I, I thought this was really, really good. And I've not really enjoyed much else that Christopher Sabella has written in the past. Yeah. Um, and this was, uh, I really, really liked the writing in this too. It took a lot of fun of unexpected term, um, turns, but mm-hmm. it also was kind of like a fun kind of cloudy. You're not really sure what's happening, just like the uh, characters in this book mm-hmm. uh, as a reader. Yep. Good fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Fun book. Um, so that is Cold War, the last number one that we reviewed this week. And now we play a game for... Actually, no, it hasn't even, we, we've, not, we've not even played this game a hundred times no. because we only invented it 30 episodes in or so. <coughs> uh, the game I'm talking about, though. Everyone's um, favourite. It's called Roll the Dice for Marvel, Image, or DC. And uh, in this game, I roll a dice, and that decides whether we talk about Marvel, Image, or DC comics first. If I roll a one to two, it's a it's, we talk about Marvel first. Three to four is Image, and five to six is DC. We're going to roll it, and we get a two. So Marvel first... And then three, Image, and then finally DC. Cool. Um, of, usually, I would say the, that we, I read the most Marvel books each week just because they put out the most. Mm. I think this week I actually read the most Image books. I think so. Same. <coughs> Whatever. it still looks like you read more Marvel books than me. I did. I definitely did. Um, Doctor Strange is the first Marvel book I would like to talk about. Um, issue number 385, written by Donny Cates, with art by Gabrielle Walter and Jordi Belair on colours. Um, the finale of the Loki Sorcerer Supreme arc, in which Loki has taken over the mantle of Sorcerer Supreme, while Doctor Strange is a vet. Mm. Um, and but also- now he has the power of the world tree. Yeah. Ah, oh, what in the... I forgot to read Squirrel Girl. Continue. <laughs> um, so Doctor Strange... Um, uh, you know, we, we think this is going to be a big battle um, between Loki and Strange, but um, we learn that both Loki and Strange have been keeping secrets of their own. And uh, I think uh, even though the kind of final fight between these two and the thing that is unlocked um, from Doctor Strange's house um, wasn't as satisfying as the rest of this arc has been, yeah. I thought the um, exposition that we learned as we learn the the lies that both characters have told, have told, especially Loki's, which is really, really amusing. Because, you know, Loki in this arc has kind of been going down the same road that Doctor Doom is doing now, where you think he's trying to be good to mm-hmm. make up for all his wrongs in the past. But he's the, he's the king of... He's the god of lies. Yeah, guys, come on. And uh, even when he tries to tell a lie to kind of make him seem sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he quickly sees that he's being seen through and just, just throws out a spew of other potential lies to justify his behavior. I thought that was just great and classic classic Loki. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really, really great arc. And we now see a kind of status quo change. It, uh, in, in this arc, he's kind of undone everything that, Dr., that uh, Jason Aaron did, mm-hmm. but not in a bad way. No. Like, it, it all still feels like it's not permanently fixed. So magic's back in this world. Um, and um, one time, uh, Doctor Strange uh, employee Selma or Zelda, Zelda, Zelma, Zelma um, has has left the building. Boo! Um, I love Zelma. Yeah, but it looks like uh, Doctor Strange now has a dead dog as a companion. Look, that's also great. Ghost Mutt. That's nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was a. Uh, this is a really really fun fun finale to this arc. Is the same creative team going to be <coughs> working on it? Going forward? Yes, know? but we get um, Nick Spencer joining him as co-writer for the Damnation event. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> we haven't seen Nick Spencer in a hot minute. Well, I think he had to take a little break after everyone was super upset 
overly upset. We yes. weren't upset. I wasn't upset. Secret Empire just made people a lot more angry about comics than they should have been. People who don't read comics. Yes. Um, so it looks like I, I look. I, I welcome him coming back because he has written a lot of things that I did like. Yeah. I think if he I, I look, if he if the moral that he if the, if the kind of moral that he takes back is that he needs to be a bit more subtle in his political uh, mirroring and and metaphors within his comics. Like I think politics absolutely have their place in comics, but sometimes sure. his references are a bit too on the nose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then I think we may, maybe we'll get some stronger writing out of him. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he'll learn how to write women. <laughs> Don't go too crazy. <laughs> um, but if you um, miss, because uh, it's the other thing that changed at the end of this arc, we don't have Sorcerer Supreme Loki anymore. Doctor Strange is a Sorcerer Supreme once more. But if you miss reading uh, Loki as a Sorcerer Supreme, look no further than the current arc of The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, uh, in which uh, Squirrel Girl has to team up with the Sorcerer Supreme Loki to go and track down her roommate and best friend, um, Nancy. Nancy and Tippy Toe, her mm-hmm. squirrel, um, who have been uh, teleported to a planet of squirrels who have been conned into uh, giving a fake silver surfer who's a grifter <coughs> all of their gold. Yeah. <coughs> That's what the grifter... Sorry, I got my my, uh, my annual cold has come back uh, earlier this year. No, In so February, sorry. at the end of summer. Yeah, I've just had a cold as well. Classic. It's great it's going fun. around. Um... And not the grifter, mind you. Ray, just grifter. Just a grifter. A grifter. Um, but yeah, this, this saw um, Squirrel Girl and um, numerous um, other Marvel heroes that have just been plucked out of, plucked out, plucked out of their daily lives. Um, Loki transports them into the fight to help Squirrel Girl take down Squ- um, Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very amusing. We see um, lots of beloved random characters like Doop and Flatman. Um, oh, great. <coughs> it's super funny. It's always like, it's just, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is one, maybe the best ongoing Marvel title, just because it is unaffected by continuity. So it just exists in this gorgeous little bubble where they get to just have fun with the Marvel Universe. And, and but, it's a delight. And when, unless they want to. So like, you know, right now it's like, oh no, um, like, you know, Squirrel Girl goes to Doctor Strange's exactly. house and Loki shows up because Loki's is also a supreme right now. Hmm. And that works. It totally works. Really, really cool. And that arc, uh, this arc, concludes in one more issue. Um, definitely get it. I don't. People don't like Squirrel Girl. Give it a what? chance. Actually, read it before you say you don't like it. Yeah. You sucks. Um, why, why, don't, why doesn't anyone? Why would anyone not like it? You calling like somebody? It. Yeah, Nate lost his phone, so he's asking me to call it at <laughs> our apartment. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, you should do the find my iPhone thing, and then be, oh, he doesn't have an he iPhone. God damn it, Nate. <laughs> um, Speaking of Nate, Nate rhymes with fate. The nice. fate of the four, which is the current Good. arc that we're getting in Marvel 2-in-1, The Thing and the Human Torch, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Valerio Schitti. Skitti? I never know how to do that. Uh, Carlos Pacheco. I think it's best if we do it both ways every time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, wait, no, there's a... Ba- oh, yeah. <laughs> Why do they get fucking top billing? So before they say who the colorist on this is, which is Frank Martin, they say that Carlos Pacheco and Rafael Fonteris did the Where's Wolverine page, which is at the end of this comic. Have you actually have you been paying attention to these stupid things? Yeah, they're so terrible. <coughs> they're so goofy and weird. So there are these weird Easter eggs, like post-credit scenes, a la the Marvel movies, um, which gives you like a, this like a, this tiny glimpse into what. 
This, they're, they're cute at the very at the very best. I can yeah. say they're cute. They're not really helping you like learn anything about what Wolverine is actually doing in the lead no. up to his return. It's like what did what was the last one? He like took some flowers to someone in hospital to um, Jane Foster. Yeah. Uh, in this one, uh, we see him. Th- this one's mildly amusing. At least it connects to the actual story. I won't, I won't spoil yes. it. It's kind of funny. Yeah, Whatever. It's a bit funny. But also, don't give them. It. Don't even say who did that. We'll put them on like the bottom of the actual Wolverine page. Yeah, totally. Very weird. Very um, weird. Anyway, um, this is a great book, um, Wolverine it is. Easter Egg Aside, um, which has uh, um, the Thing and um, and Johnny Storm, aka Human Torch, uh, basically trying to fix Johnny Storm's powers. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and they go to somebody who um, who regularly, kind of like you know, for a fee, will find out what's wrong with superheroes or supervillains and give yep. them their powers back. And so when they get there, they find uh, that she's just given the powers back to Hydro Man. And we get a very amusing fight between um, Torch and Thing and uh, Hercules who's come along for the ride. And all comics are better with Hercules in them. Like, I 100% agree. Especially when Zdarsky writes here Hercules. Like, I hope at some point he does a Hercules comic. Totally. Not just because I always love Hercules comics, but also because he writes him so funnily. Uh, at one point, he says to the Hydro Man, fight me as a solid, you v- vainglorious puddle. Yeah, so good. So perfect. <laughs> he really, really nails um, the tone and humor of Hercules, I feel. Definitely. Um, he, I mean, he nails a lot in this book. This is, I think this is the strongest thing that Zdarsky's done as a writer for Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. I um, agree. Uh, so, yeah, and hopefully it continues all the way through to the I think it's 12 issues is going to be before he hopefully gets Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, weird. That's a weird idea. Him on Fantastic Four or yeah. them coming back? Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think after seeing how well he writes Johnny and, and Ben, I think he'll do the rest of the... I, I wonder how he writes the kids. Yeah. I like think Bratty, be, that's, that'll be good. Yeah, Bratty kids I'm super on board with, but I just think it would be it would feed too much into his like schmaltzy side in a way that is not my favourite. Sure. Whereas you need the cold black heart of Jonathan Hickman to exactly. do the family stuff well. That is 100% what I need. <laughs> um, more on Hickman later. Um, Captain America this week, issue number 698, written by Mark Wade with art by Chris Sumney and Matthew Wilson, um, took us to um, basically um, an, a newly thawed out Captain America. Uh, he got frozen at the end of the last issue, um, wakes up out of time once again. To a dystopian future. Um, and there is a great moment where he you know, just assumes this is hundreds of years past the year that he was frozen in, mm-hmm. but learns that it's seven years into the future. Yeah. Um, heavy, a heavy view of our future. And this is like, what's really funny about this is that like, you know, everyone's like, hell yeah, Mark Wade's doing the Captain America stories we deserve. This issue is almost like a combination of Secret Empire and the Rick Remender Captain yeah. America yeah. D- Dimension yeah. Z arc. It really is. It um, really is. This know, is definitely my favorite of the arc of the story so I, far. I love the I Craven think. issue the most. But oh, yeah. The Craven issue was great, actually. I mostly just to see Samney draw Craven. Yes, please. <laughs> Those pecs. Yes, please. Um, but this was like, I thought I thought this was a fun issue. <laughs> I think I, I just find the whole like, America, land of the free. We have to, we have to take back America because of what America stands for. And I know that he's called Captain America and I understand all that, but it just doesn't appeal to me. Um, but, but it's such a part of, you know, comics in general. I know. Uh, comics are made by Americans for Americans, Siobhan. 
True. All but not them. for me, except for all the ones about Captain Boomerang. They're the only ones for me. <laughs> Imagine if that we just became an exclusively <laughs> Captain Boomerang podcast. It would be such a short podcast. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I did quite like this. Yeah, me too. I mean, like Mark Wade wrote the great Man Out of Time run. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a five-issue great Captain America story for like 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, probably even older than that. Um, and it's kind of cool seeing him kind of write a new version of that, except in, it's set in a dystopian future. Um, who knows how long this arc is going to last for? Probably, I reckon. Like, that was the, everyone's problem with Recommenders one wasn't that it was, like, you know, so out there and crazy. It was that it lasted for, like, 24 issues or something yeah. like that. Whereas I think a, a tight... Two issues? Di- yeah, exactly. <laughs> could be really great. I would like for them to explain um, why there is a man who is just a dog. Yeah, I mean, Who's I'm, just I'm in the good. background at all. Look. I want more dog guy, that's for yes, sure. exactly. That's what I want. I just want more of dog guy. Don't explain it. Just, just have him in it. Sammy Girl's a great... Make him a main character. Guy. Yes. In general. Absolutely, yes. He can take on the mantle. Give him the Dog shield. Guy, forget you. <laughs> um, did you read Despicable Deadpool number 294 this week? I did. It was pretty boring. Yeah, this has been on a good run lately and this was a weird issue. I think this was just like a tying up of a loose end issue. That's how it felt to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, With this like boring madcap guy. He seems boring. I don't know who he is. He seems boring and just like an annoying thing that I would expect to read in a Deadpool comic that yes. wasn't written by Jerry Duggan. But yes. Jerry Duggan is the writer on this one. Scott Coblish on art, Ruth Redmond on colors, and a uh, a fanciful, wacky guy that um, has you know tried to ruin Deadpool's life many, many times before. Um, he has a showdown with Deadpool, and Deadpool tricks him into you know um, basically being collected something worse than dying. And then uh, Madcap's like, oh, you know. I'm, Lovely, I'm, I'm, thank you. I'm actually the winner because um, yeah. you've made your life worse than I ever could. So, you know, it's, you still get the like crushing sadness that Duggan's brought to this run, but you have to uh, endure 20 pages of whimsy before you get there. God, I hate fucking whimsy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, look, the next issue looks like it's going to be real sad next. So, yeah, um, I'll, be, I'll still be reading this run. But I'm excited to see anything to do with Evan. Or young Kid, Kid, Kid Apocalypse, Kid Apocalypse yeah. who is a brilliant character who we haven't seen in a little while. So even if he's showing up just to be killed by Deadpool, I'm into it. Another Rick Remender creation. Yes. Um, I know you are not reading anymore. Just give you a little update. Of Avengers No Surrender, the weekly Avengers arc happening over at Marvel at the moment. We've got part six in issue 680 this week, written by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, Mark Wade, with art on this issue by Kim Jacinto and colors by David Curiel. Um, and... Uh, this is one of those boring wait for shit to happen issues. Nice. Like, not only do we get one page at the end of this story of the Hulk still slowly coming back, just one page at a time, you then turn the page and then you get another one one page of Where's Wolverine. Um, and How much better would it be if it was like a Where's Wally but Wolverine? He's just somewhere That's in the comic. That's a better idea. He's just somewhere in the comic. Just one page at the back where you Dressed have to as find Where's Wally. Wolverine. Yes. Where's Wolvie? Yes. That's a better idea. Marvel. Much better call idea. Call me. Um, Ulysses Farinas has been doing like Where's Wally tributes for like some big kind of magazine and he's been cool. putting them on his Instagram. Highly recommend going to check them out. They're really awesome. That's really fun. So wait, wh- how is the Hulk coming back? Why is the Hulk coming back? He just is. We From don't where? know. Um, he's in Nevada because he the Hulk can never die. Can. Okay. Stop trying to kill him, Siobhan. <laughs> It'll never will, work. Will the Banner Hulk is back, back and he's mad as hell. Oh yeah, Banner's, Banner's back too. Okay. <coughs> so, Poor old Banner. Just let him rest. I'll keep you posted. Thanks. Um, but this is a book with Hercules in it that wasn't fun. You've learned your lesson. Damn. Make Hercules fun. Always. Um, 
let's go to the drop zone because in spite of like this is the same thing like why I read Malar books I also will always read Marvel events just because they're super quick and easy to read and you're just like oh cool I read it that's it tick it off (laughs) also that too yeah Um, but there are books that I've been enduring for for some time now and I think it's time to to go Mm -hmm. (coughs) this one saddens me I think I'm going to drop Matt Rosenberg's Punisher run yeah I decided this I, I flicked through this issue and I just went you know what I just fucking don't need the Punisher in like a big like war suit. Just but, and, I just and like and like doing it. acts of war. Yeah. In like a, in you know Eastern European nations and blah yeah. blah blah. Um, written by Matt Rosenberg like, with art by very good art by um, Gu Villanova and colors by Lee Ridge. So it's a good it's a good creative team. Yeah, totally. But I just think normally I like the Punisher. If if, if I want a bleak Punisher, I want I want Punisher Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was grounded. I think him being this superhero now with a, with a war machine suit, it's, it's not fun. No, I don't know that like Punisher shouldn't necessarily be Punisher, but at least make the world he's in a bit more fun. The whole thing is just really bleak and dark yeah. without going the full Marvel Marvel what is it called Max yeah. Punisher Max route. You know, you know that um, Punisher issue where he like steals a jet ski or whatever. Yep. It's like that really famous cover. That's what I want. Sure, that's what I want from Punisher. I don't want this. No one wants this. Steal more jet skis, Frank. Also, wouldn't the Punisher, as a former Marine, have, like, some respect for, like, the process of, like, engaging other countries in war? Like, yeah. why is he so comfortable to be like, no, as an American citizen, I am very comfortable to just fly into random Eastern European nations. Because maybe they're besmirching the name of, of, of a good soldier. That is what Americans do. Um, at one point, he rips a soldier in half. Yeah. I don't need that. <laughs> That's grisly. That's grisly. Um, I'm also, um, I read, uh, issue two of Old Man Hawkeye. Me too. Um, it was alright. Yeah, but, like, I don't need any more of it. Yeah. Um, this is, like, a kind of prelude to Old Man Logan, um, the original Mark Miller series. Uh, so it's not like there's even anything, like, the stakes are non-existent, because we know yeah. that Hawkeye's fine at the end of it, and you know that just a bunch of Well, he's blind at the end of it. Gonna... So this is, we, we learn that, this is, I guess this is how he becomes blind. Yeah. Written by Ethan Sachs with art by Marco Cicchetto. Like I said, I, I, there's nothing I really dislike. I just can't be bothered reading more of it. Yeah, same. I like the art. <coughs> but that's about it. Yeah. Um, I also read The Amazing Spider-Man Annual, issue 42, written by Dan Slott, with art by someone whose last name is Smith, Corey Smith, with um, inks and finishes by Terry Pallett and colors by Brian Reber. Ooh, an all-male team. Um, this is, was very boring. The first story was about like, oh, I can't even be bothered going into it. Some underground mafia, blah, 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 boring. And then the end story was like a cute little thing, but it was just like classic, like, oh, everyone's distracting Peter so that he doesn't know about the surprise birthday party that Aunt May's planned for him, which like, cool. That's yeah. fine, I guess. Do something fun, though. Like, have Aunt May be like, surprise, we're going to go steal a jet ski. <laughs> yes. That's way better. How it was kind of fun. Just one week, everyone at Marvel's like, okay, every comic, it's every superhero, week. it's jet ski week. Yeah. Every 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 single superhero <laughs> is stealing a jet ski. For... Where's Wolverine? Stealing a jet ski. Yeah. Yeah. Jet ski week. Let's make it happen. Call me Marvel. Um, it was kind of fun because it was written by someone who's never written a comic before. A playwright oh, good, right. called David Hine who's oh. written something called Come From Away. I don't know what that is. Um, but he sort of goes really over the top with like 
the spider spidey sense and how like he, there were many levels of spidey sense. Right. It was kind of fun. It was kind of silly. Um, but yeah, again, the surprise party is the new. Oh no, we've been trapped in an alternate universe where time travels differently. But that's not the same David Hine that wrote um, the bulletproof co- coffin. That, no, he, no, no, no. Uh, spelled differently. Oh right. H e i n. Ah, David Hain. Oh, yeah, there you go, sorry. That's called Spider Sense and Sensibility, which is a good title. Yeah, right, okay. He's a Broadway musical yes. playwright. So, it had that vibe. Um, but fine. I think, like, do we know who's going to be taking over on The Amazing Spider-Man? No, we just know that Slot's slot? going to be doing um, Iron Man now. I'll read Iron Man. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, a, people were thinking that maybe that's what Spencer's going to be doing next. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's a bad call. I hope not. Who would you like on, on a Spider-Man book? <coughs> um, see a fucking woman do it. Just for once. Let's get, like, we kind I don't of, know, anyone. Kelly Simone. Kelly Thompson's doing the Renew Your Vows at the moment, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know who it would Joelle be. Joelle Jones. Yes, please. Only if she draws everything forever. <laughs> um, Star Wars issue number... Sorry, Star Wars Darth Vader issue number 11, written by Charles Soule with uh, Giuseppe Camancoli on art um, and Danielle Olandini um, on inks, David Curiel on colours. Kind of getting a bit bored of uh, Darth Vader just showing up and, and killing. Like It's almost like Darth Vader the Punisher. Oh, cool. Um, it's more fun than the he Punisher is at the moment. <clears throat> no, he does not steal a jet ski. Boo. Um, he, um, he... Oh, do you think if you had the force, yeah, you could ride a jet ski through space? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ride a jet ski. What are you using your powers for? Can can they fly through space with the force? Um, well, you've clearly not seen the Last Jedi. I clearly have not. <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, Princess Leia flies a jet ski <laughs> through space. <laughs> um, whatever. I'm still going to read this. I, I guess it's like again, it's the just like. I hate myself brain, like nice. brain fart. Yeah. What is it called? What's not, not, not brain food. What's the opposite of brain food? Junk food. Mm. Yeah. When you feed your junk <laughs> instead of your brain. That's what this uh, comic is. Those are our Marvel reviews. <laughs> Speaking of feeding my junk, are we talking about um, Image next? Yep. Yeah. Let's talk about Twisted Love. Okay. Because of romance, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Twisted Romance this week. We've got issue number two of four of this uh, weekly uh, romantic series uh, that's been written. The bulk of it has been written by Alex DeCampi. Is he like, is she like kind of like the the, the um, curator of, of the other stuff as well? I believe so. I think it's kind of all her thing. Um, and she is <coughs> writing the main story, and then we get a little prose story in the middle, and then you flip it upside down. There's another story by a different creative team. And this, um, the main story in this has art by Alejandra Gutierrez. I loved her art. So good. She so is so well matched for this story too. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I love this so much. I love this series so much. It's so perfect, I think. It's so perfect for me. <laughs> if th- this, this story in particular, which is about um, someone who works within fashion photography, but she's kind of, she does like all the digital touch-ups yep. um, and is largely ignored by um, the sexy models. sexy models and stuff like that. Um, but uh, um, the I, w- I would totally recommend this if you're a fan of Snot Girl and looking for something that's like Snot Girl. This is absolutely. the most like Snot Girl thing I've ever read. Yep, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the art is just perfectly matched and suited to it. Um, it's you know suitable, suitably tumblery. Yep. Um, and with enough kind of like fun references and kind of like breaking fourth wall almost with mm-hmm. like 
little you know like emojis and stuff like that that we see in the real world even uh even pictures of celebrities um in the, yeah. pe- in the petty pettiness thermometer show up which is yeah, really fun made me laugh. i really enjoyed that um and like because there's there's a real focus on like aesthetics and fashion and then also like everything in this is very heavily through a female gaze and that's extremely like satisfying to read especially modern sexuality Absolutely. And exploring a, exploring a particular part of sexuality that i think um i've not read that i mean i've read it famously by by, by one of your favorite um in in one of your favorite comic book uh mm. uh characters stories talking about asexuality here yeah and sex crimps what, sorry? Sex crimps? That's true, yeah, yeah. But um, I thought it was really, really well handled here. Absolutely. Because like, it was it was the just kind of handled like, you know, really, really, uh, it, like innocently, I guess, in 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 the way it kind of gazed Absolutely. upon it. Yeah. yeah. Really, really like a, a really satisfying, sweet ending, just a perfect little one-shot story. Um, I would buy anything that Alejandro Gutierrez does. Like, I think her art is so so beautiful I mean, you can tell from the cover that you, if you're gonna like it or not it's totally really great. if you're like a this is like a less dirty brandon graham yes definitely i have a great 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 comparison i mean we also get some pros by um vita ayala how was it this week uh you know what i didn't get through it <coughs> cool um and then the uh the backup comic when you flip it over um was a almost a female take on the movie her yep um, written and drawn by meredith mclaren <coughs> um with uh Someone um, kind of starting a relationship with an AI unit within her laptop. Which I do not approve of. Really? I'm just very scared of artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I cannot, I just can't recommend this book more highly. Both issues of it have just been like beyond what I could have hoped for. And I'm so excited for the next two issues. And I will be sad when it's over. It's really cool. And it will be a great collection too when it's all together. Yeah, absolutely. Can you please pass me that Spider-Man issue you were reviewing as well? So so I don't forget to put it up in the show notes that take me a whole hour to type up. (laughs) Um, So next on the image, I want to talk about a comic uh, that I mentioned at the start of the episode. And it is issue number 144 of Invincible. <clears throat> the best double-sized final issue of all time. Nice. Is uh, how they proudly announce it. Yeah. Um, but when DC do it, I don't like it. When uh, Robert Kirkman does it, I'm like, you earned this. Yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to do this. Um, he is extremely cocky, though. It's funny. Um, well, so- look, <laughs> what he's done in comics is pretty, like, impressive. Yeah. Um, so this is like, you know, Walking Dead obviously gets all the accolades and the attention. You know, when, when you think Robert Kirkman, that's where your mind immediately goes. Mm-hmm. But this this series, Invincible, which just started around the same time as Walking Dead um, at Image, um, originally with Corey Walker on art, which is kind of um, Robert Kirkman just telling a superhero story um, mm-hmm. in which uh, someone, Mark Grayson, who you know is lovingly named after Nightwing, mm-hmm. um, uh finds out he has superpowers when he's in high school. It's a classic setup for, for so many superhero stories. But over the course of 144 issues, he built up not just a superhero world, but a superhero universe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this became renowned for its, like, crazy intergalactic, spa- gory space fights. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're drawn by a new artist, um, Ryan Otley. Um, and this finale, this final issue, um, you had uh, the art... Um, shared by both um, uh, Ryan Otley and original artist Corey Walker. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and um, you had Mike Morales on uh, Ryan Otley's inks and Nathan Fairvan doing colours for the entire thing. Russ Wooten on letters. Like, it's a absolutely gorgeous book. Mm. And what this does in this issue, I'm not going to spoil any of it um, because so much crazy shit has happened to Mark Grayson over the course of his career as the superhero Invincible. But this issue... Just instead of like doing like kind of a, a, a goodbye to all the characters as they exist at this point in time that we're ending, it jumps forward in time and shows how Mark Grayson succeeds in a way that um, his his ancestors were never able to. Mm. And we catch up with all these different characters, all these adversaries, all of his family um, through different parts of their lives, and it's just such a brilliant comic. Just like just a brilliantly done comic. Um, and something you'd only ever see in a comic as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you saw this in a, in, a, in a television show where you only got like thirty seconds glimpsing into these people li- people's lives and then jumping to somewhere else, it would be unsatisfying. But here, it's just you get just enough of each of these stories that you've you know read over the past one hundred forty four issues. It feels really really satisfying. And this like you know it's the polar opposite of that kick ass reboot. It's just like it's a love story to superheroes and also just him. You know, he loves all these characters he's created. It's time for him to say goodbye to them, and he does so with just absolute love and admiration. That's exactly what you want. <clears throat> and if he ever wants to pick up the pieces, there's so many different plot points that he could pick out of this one issue to continue the story with at some point in the future. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah, um, look, I, I, it's, Invincible is definitely, you know, some refer to it as Kirkman's, you know, real masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's absolutely something you should read if you're a fan of superhero comics and being able to binge this now from start to finish like that is one hell of a long weekend yeah um i think i read the first 100 issues um over the course of you know less than a week i I had a flight to perth and back which is a five-hour flight and i think i read all 100 issues in two flights yeah that's amazing um and then i've been reading it in single issues ever since um so great you owe it to yourself to read this um and it was a really really fantastic finale Cool. I haven't even enjoyed all the issues leading up to this point either. I was kind of like disappointed that it was focusing on all of like just the, you know, the space battle side of things, but they gave us everything else in this one issue. Amazing. <laughs> well, I'm glad it was a real satisfying end. Yeah. Super good. Highly recommended to everybody. Cool. 
Um, so next we should talk about um, a book that we always love. Um, and uh, Siobhan's going to do the book of the talking in this one because I want to cough myself to death in nice. the corner over here. Excellent. So Kill or Be Killed, issue 16 by Brubaker, Phillips and Brightweiser. Um, this book just continues to be shocking and surprising. And like you, it, 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 you never know what's going to happen next in terms of like on the next page. And then the, the, you get to the end of it and it's like they throw you the craziest cliffhanger and curveball that you're like, yeah. how are they going to deal with this in the next issue? Yeah. Like Absolutely. effectively, like there have been things that have happened that you think, oh, the series is over now. Yeah, in yeah, the, in yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we've got one more issue now and that's that. But no, it's they, they always take it on crazy twists and turns and the writing is so strong. Absolutely. This final, the final page, I have, I, I'm so confused by that. I don't understand. Where, where the, is Dylan? What's going on? There's so many ways that you could uh, interpret that too. Absolutely. Because that may not be Dylan's gear. That may be his housemates. No. Yeah. I think that that is his housemates. But when he's like... Calls the yeah I know I know totally where is Dylan where is Dylan what's going on very vague not really spoilers but when you when you do catch up uh, you'll know what we're talking about yeah um man it's so good it's It's so good guys masterful comic it really is it's like (coughs) it is so beautiful the colors are so gorgeous Sean Phillips' work is like completely brilliant like I know (laughs) I feel like it's so rare for there to be this many different like faces that an artist can draw. We get used to sort of like the Betty and Veronica thing of like the same face, but we tell them apart by their hair. (laughs) Like Dylan has like a face which has developed as he, you know, gets put on more medication, looks more tired and more haggard and all that stuff. It's, it's so clever and sophisticated and layered and I love it. And his battle with the demon, which may or may not exist. Yeah, absolutely. And always the back matter is brilliant. I'm I keep a little list in my phone of all the movies that they talk about. Because I just want to see them all. Yeah, so I great. I definitely want to see Shock Corridor. Awesome. Great issue. So great, good. Great issue. Uh, this week we got the final um, issue of Lazarus X Plus 66, which is a, in a fill-in series um, by Greg Rucker and Eric Troutman um, that, that uh, Greg Rucker put together um, to uh, kind of allow his regular Lazarus artist... Um, Michael Lark yep. um, to kind of catch up on all the, uh, the work, you know, it, 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 drawing a comic takes some time. It takes time, guys. And you got to have a break every now and then. So we gave Michael Lark a break to catch up. Um, and uh, so we got a, a series of one shots that kind of uh, expanded this like horrible future world that Lazarus is set in, um, in which, uh, you know, all of the, all of the wealth in the world is kind of divided up between these families that control different territories. Mm-hmm. And they all are protected by a Lazari who is a kind of, you know, Superpowered um, protector who mm. who does all their fighting for them or kind of leads their armies, um, and uh, this one which had art by Tristan Jones. Oh, cool! Um, which was it's always such a great surprise to see him show up on books and fuck his art on this. It was a, it was the perfect choice for him. He's so great at drawing, just like dark, unsettling Spooky stuff. Corridors. Um, this was all about the uh, kind of main. Um, family, the Vasilovka's um, Lazarus, who is called the Zemei, also known as the Dragon. And it's just a really, really grim and sad Russian tale. Mm, that's my favorite kind of <coughs> Russian tale. Yep. Well, the um, only kind there is. And uh, yeah, this is a, a good good, good one to end on. Um, it's, 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 it's very, very grim and violent um, and uh, kind of sets up, you know, the, the stakes of, of, of this world and had me very excited to join back the main, to rejoin with the main cast when this series returns in April. Cool. Good work, all. 
Uh, we'll talk about slots. Let's talk about slots. Uh, issue number five, written and drawn by Dan Panosian. Um, the penultimate issue, right? I think we only get one more. Oh, damn. Is this like a, a, a mini series? I thought this was a long, long ongoing. But you think you're right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, six of six. Yep. Damn. That stinks. But also, what a great little mini. Yeah, so this is like kind of like, you know, the, the once glorious fighter returns to Vegas and everyone hates him, including yep. his son. And gradually he either wins back everyone who used to love him or makes them hate him even more. Classic. <coughs> All to do with the grimy underbelly of Las Vegas. People who own the casinos, people who fix boxing matches. All of the bad guys. Slash slightly good guys. I still get slightly confused by this book. I think that if I was reading not 50 other books a week, I would be able to follow a little bit better. But there was like a moment with a girl and then she's wearing a wig or they take off a wig and I was confused as to who that was. Also, like all of the characters have like been married to each other at some point. Yeah. And so everyone is technically a stepfather to every character or something. Yeah, yeah. it's very, very confusing. Everyone's it, related. It'll read very well in trade. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and you're right, Next, there's only one issue left, so that trade won't be very far away at all. But I love it. I, I think this is a great... Um, just something really different. Yeah, definitely. And Pinozian's art is so good, and I hope that he gets announced on something very soon. Actually, I meant to mention when I was talking about um, the end of Invincible, the most thing I'm most excited about is what Corey Walker, Corey Walker and Ryan Otley do next. Yeah, cool. I love Ryan Otley's art. Well, yeah, we got, we got on that hilariously stupid grizzly shark book. Yes. Not your cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. But, um, I mean, can you imagine if... I mean, I, I reckon Kirkman's smart enough to be just throwing their money and being like, you're mine forever now. I hope so. Um, but I would... Although owning I would, people is bad. I would No, I mean, just, you know, instead of them going to Marvel or DC, but yeah. fuck, I would love a Marvel book drawn by Di- Ryan Otley. Like, him as a Spider-Man artist, that's... that's he would be so perfect. what dreams Spider-Man. are made of. Absolutely. And then when he needs a break, bring in Tradmore. Yes. Oh my God. Can you imagine Tradmore on a Spider-Man book? It would take 1 billion years to come out, but just, it would be worth just it. Just him drawing all the web. Yeah. The web would be so intricate. Oh man, I would love that. Did you read Sleepless this week? I did. Yay. Tell everybody what it's about. Sleepless is a sort of medieval semi-fantasy book, although there haven't been that many fantasy elements so far, about a... Um, girl who is the daughter of the king who recently passed away and her knight who is sleepless and the sleepless knights are like dedicated to protecting one person in the to the point where they cannot yep. sleep ever and so there's some big like bags under their eyes but they're also very good fighters yeah, and very so good at fighting this issue was just pretty much a fight scene between two sleepless as yep. uh, their princesses look on it was a tournament i don't think this guy was sleepless he is just like aristocracy um so it's all to do with like the the uh the way the courts work all the sort of like underhanded stuff that you have to do to survive in this kind of environment as a young single woman especially like a young black woman in a white court um i love this book i love this book so much the art is so gorgeous Leila del, del duca is so great and the colors by Alyssa salah are beautiful it's like the most gorgeous sort of tapestry but then there's this real kind of grit to everything mm-hmm. what's interesting is that Alyssa Salah is the colorer and the editor yeah that's cool multi-talented that's great what a lady um yeah this is a great 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 book and again like you know as I feel the same way as when I read slots when I read this it's so different to everything else I read it's like you know 
it, it's the medieval book without the fanta- the fantastic element, which because yeah, there's so many fantasy books that that image at the moment. Yeah, and to have this, you know, it's it's very light. Like obviously the the creation of a sleepless person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not something that exists, but also it's not hard to imagine it existing either. Absolutely, great great series. It's yeah, perfect. So, Siobhan, there is a point after you read, you know, you read the first issue of a Jonathan Hickman book like mm-hmm. uh, Black Monday Murders, mm-hmm. and you think. Oh man, this is a really horrific world that he's uh, creating, and it's a bit scary. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really a bit terrified by this book. Yeah. And then you know you get eight, eight issues in, mm-hmm. and something really grisly and horrifying is happening, and you have a massive grin on your face. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, I find this fun now. <laughs> <laughs> Hickman has poisoned my mind to the point where I am delighted by decapitations. Like mysterious decapitations yeah. that happen all of a sudden because they're they're locked in a battle on another dimension while leaving their bodies in a room surrounded by onlookers. Some kind of horrifying black magic battle is going on, and good guys just selling their I know, souls. The, the one innocent good character in this, yeah, it I just, fucking just, love it. It's so wonderful. It's so good. Michael, is it Michael Coker? Um, Tom Coker. Tom Coker. Sorry, on, uh, is. So great. The use of like um, shadows and negative space is like yeah. really um, something and special. And unbelievable cat colors by Michael Garland um, in this issue, too, especially in the um, during the aforementioned battle scenes. Just such a great because you know, for the mo- most part, this is a very murky book. Yeah. And so seeing him, uh, you know, using these different shades of one very bright pink mm. is so great. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, this is a this is my favorite issue of this of this series so far. Just because not because not only because it gave us a lot of answers or you know Hickman's version of answers, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was like that that moment where you, that realization like oh no what has he done to me? Absolutely, like, I find this fun now. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Hickman's such a fucking dirty old weirdo. I love it. He's so good. Um, dong watch. There was a good um, old man's dong in this. Yep. Excellent. Thank you so much for the dong watch no update. No worries. Um, and I love, like, again, this is something that could only exist in comics. Like, I don't think you could get away with, like, having a battle between a naked woman drenched in blood and a nude old man. Mm. I don't think you could get away <laughs> with that in a movie. But in comics, you're like, yeah, right. This is great. So that's the Black Monday murders. I'm sure. I think this must be the, the end of the second volume. I reckon maybe for yeah, trade. I think so. Um, so definitely, definitely. Like, if, I mean, if you, if you were someone that loved Hickman's Marvel stuff and haven't really kept up with all of his yeah. things post Marvel, like this is so good. This and, is my favorite, and I think this is also bizarrely considering how dense it is and how much content there is in it. Probably his easiest to read. Uh, disagree, but sure. <laughs> I think the Manhattan Projects is uh, is very very fun as well. That's true. Yeah, I just mean like it's um, when I pick up an issue of this, even if it's been like a month or so or longer, it's been like a couple of months since the last issue. I'm still like, okay, I, I basically understand what's going on. Yeah, I don't remember all the characters, but the themes are so vivid that you're like, you're like, oh, that's right, this is happening. Cool. And it's full of all the classic like Jonathan Hickman like charts and graphs yep. and like he, he does all this secret himself, languages too. and all that kind of stuff, which is just. It's so fun. I love it. So now we move over to the pile of image books that I read and Siobhan doesn't. Sorry. Um, and uh, there'll be one less of those now. I'm cool. finally going to drop Rumble, which is by one of my favorite writers, John Arcudi, with um, one of my favorite artists, David Rubine, and one of my favorite colorists, David Stewart. But um, this is just, I think this is going to be one that would be much better read in trade. And um, 
Oh, actually, no, something happens at the end of this. Who knows? Who knows what I'm going to do? I'm unpredictable. This is a pretty good issue of this book, which is like a fun kind of urban fantasy book. Um, uh, where Sounds like the worst. Where a realm of, of, of monsters and demons have uh, taking out, you know, the, 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 are, are in American suburbs. Okay. Um, it's it, it's fun. It's also a bit exhausting sometimes, and, mm. and remembering all the different characters and their motivations is, can be a bit... Uh, Daunting mm-hmm. each, each issue, but who knows? If, if if I feel like it, I'll keep reading it. If I don't, I don't. Nice. All right, are we clear? <coughs> I really, really like. I'm really glad I stuck with it too. Port of Earth, which is the top cow book, written by Zach Kaplan, with art by Andrea Muti and colors by Vladimir Popov, um, about aliens coming to Earth and uh, basically giving um, Earth leaders uh, incredible water utilizing technology in mm-hmm. in in in. in, in and, and the trade-off is that they have a, a port, a no-questions-asked port. They're allowed to use Earth to just refuel their port for space travel. Nice. Um, but uh, sometimes, you know, with all the influx of alien races, um, there have been some bad aliens that have come to Earth and killed lots of people. Oh, no. And so the bulk of this book is told from, like, a task force that don't exist to d- take out the aliens. In fact, they don't even exist to protect humans. They exist to protect aliens. Mm. But... Everyone on that t- force reads that as we're here to kill this alien right. before they kill humans, um, and it's really really cool. It's, 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 it, I wasn't I was more into excited by the idea of the, of the world that they were building because this world is like is vastly different to ours now just because of this technology. Um, but um, they've they've made the main story this kind of like you know the, these these marines trying to take out this alien quite captivating, and um, it ends with a cliffhanger not only from what what they're going to do next. Um, in, reg- in response to this alien, but also um, the there's there's been this ongoing interview between like the press and someone that was from the, from the government that was given access to this technology and whether or not that was a good or bad thing. And it ends on like oh shit moment for the for the future of this series. And I think it's it's really really cool. Oh cool! I am I I did fall off this, but that does sound interesting. Yeah, the the if you like hard sci-fi, this is a really really great great book. And one that I, I could see turned into a movie quite well. Yeah. So who knows? Um, Mage, The Hero Denied um, by Matt Wagner um, is still really good. Um, it's still kind of dealing with the themes of, you know, are you a superhero or are you a dad first and foremost? And how do those two worlds, how do you protect one one of those worlds from the other? Mm. Um, and uh, it's enjoyable. Um, there are lots of threats and things from uh, from Mage's past um, coming to coming to haunt him. And because I haven't read any of the earlier Mage stuff, a lot of that is lost on me. Mm-hmm. But it's still enjoyable regardless. I just can't read it because the character looks too much like Jim. Well, it's, it's one of Jim's favorite books too. So Unsurprisingly. It, I think he modeled himself after after Mage. What came first? <laughs> um, finally, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, issue number 32, written and drawn by David Laffin, one of my favorite books uh, each month. Um, it's still going with this uh, crazy kind of filling in the gaps of this, uh, you know, few months during, a uh, few months of time during the original Stray Bullets run. Um, and it's uh, very, very close to um, overlapsing the, the period of time. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the, the original run of Stray Bullets is 40 issues. This is issue 32. And we're just filling in eight months between this small, like, yeah, it's very so crazy. <coughs> What's even crazier is that we know <coughs> what, ha- what eventually happens to all these characters. Mm. Um, and it's still really riveting. And so much is happening in this short amount of time. They're traveling from one side of America to the other. They're falling in and out of, with each other mm-hmm. and other people around them. And uh, I don't know how they get to the point that we, we catch up with them in the original series. 
It's really, really great. It looks great, though. It's, it's so grim, and yeah, um, David Laffin's cartooning is unbelievable. Mm. <laughs> um, again, another, another just like the Hickman complex, where you're like, the first issue, you're like, oh, this is really grisly and, and cold-hearted. I don't know if this is for me, mm. and then you keep reading, and then you like horrible <laughs> things happen, and you have a massive smile on your face, like, oh, no. <laughs> it's the kind of comic that makes you a worse person. Yep. But that's you, what you want. You love it as it happens. Actually, this is the, the closest thing that, that's, that's been like a really nice, genuine moment um, mm. happens in this issue. I love it. It was really beautiful, actually. That's nice. Yeah. But still really sad because not that beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are our image reviews and we move on to DC reviews. Before oh, God, I... I forgot about DC. I was like, we only have the rest to do. That's cool. The rest is an enormous pile this week, too. Yeah. Um, Action Comics, issue number 997. Um, I've given up. Oh, we're so close to a thousand, though. Yeah, but yeah. You think making it to a hundred podcasts is hard? Try reading a thousand issues of Action Comics. <laughs> um, this is written by Dan Jurgens with art by Brett Booth. <clears throat> oh God! I, I actually liked it. It was um, Brett Booth doing a big uh, intergalactic battle between different generations of Zods and Superman, and so it was just like lots of eye beams shooting at each other, um, which is mm-hmm. kind of what you want Booth to do if you want him to do anything. Um, I don't want him to do anything. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a kind of strange pairing between Booster Gold and um, and Superman. It also just seems like a massive waste of Booster Gold as a character. Well, yeah, because he's like, he's he's like this do. wacky goofball and then Superman's played really, really straight in this mm. arc. And it's not fun. I want it to mm. be more fun. I'm hopefully we get a Booster Gold series after. Because like, I want Jurgens to do, still do stuff at DC after Bendis takes over the um, action comics. Because I have enjoyed a lot of this run and hopefully he just gets to do Booster again after this. That would be cool. I can't even imagine what Bendis' action comics is going to be like. Uh, wordy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of talking to camera. <laughs> yep. I reckon Lois's role will be. Oh my huge. god! Yeah, like yes. Lo- Lois will suddenly be an alcoholic, <laughs> and who sits on the toilet all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Lois Jones. Um, I've definitely already made that joke on this podcast before. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I de- laugh just as hard. I'm <laughs> Detective Comics issue nine hundred and seventy-four this week uh, from James Tinian the Fourth, with art by uh, Philippe Briones and colors by Alan Passalacroix. The continued. Uh, Captain Marveling of of Batwoman, of yeah. Batwoman. I mean, it's it worse is... than fridging. <laughs> it is, but it, like, I mean, I guess it, it it does sort of make sense. Like, she's always been the military character, so I do understand that division. But um, there's a certain like weird hopelessness about this book of like, oh, everyone's falling into these roles that they never could have escaped from, and you're just kind of like. Well, why can't why can't they escape from it? Like, why can't you do something surprising? It's also it? so easy to make the military the bad thing in yeah, comics. Totally. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that it isn't. No, but but obviously, the better option is unregulated vigilantes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it would be way more compelling if if you justified the military links yeah. to vigilantism. Yeah. Right? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. It's a grey area, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't agree with making Batwoman the bad the bad person, and and it looks like she's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah. Um. At least she hasn't got a movie looming that like you know that they're going to have to try and save her from. But yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I think that like I like I really like Doctor October. Like as a yeah, character yeah. come out of this arc, I like what they've done with like Cassie. I'm sad about Clayface. Yep. I think it's like it's good that it's a 
silly comic that can still make me have emotions. I think what they're doing with Tim is just boring. Yeah, totally. Like, like how much more interesting would it be if it turns out that it was Tim that took the shot, not Batwoman? Yeah, yeah, why not? That's a way better idea. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, what did you read next? Uh, I read New Superman. You oh, yeah. About that. New oh. Superman and the Justice League of China, as it has be, been rebranded. But it, it's natural. It's a natural uh, rebranding because yeah. uh, this entire arc, which has been written, not, not entire arc, it's our run, which has been written by Jean Luen Yang, um, has been all about the new Superman of China um, mm-hmm. as he gets introduced to the Wonder Woman of China and the Batman of China. And then slowly they've been amassing their own Justice League of China. And so it makes sense to call it that. They've all kind of become characters in their own right. He's, uh, he's got a flirty flash. Mm-hmm. Um, who's really, really fun. And in this book, it looks like, um, and actually this is a theme that gets repeated in um, this week's Michael Cray, um, a, uh, an alternate version of Aquaman. And this is like this in, in, in North Korea. This yeah. guy like manifests water from his body, which then is able to like summon like enormous... Giant scary crab guys? <laughs> yeah, enormous like, enormous like sea creatures emerge out of. I'm into it. Really cool and weird. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I really enjoy this comic, and I'm I think it's something like really cool that it's gotten to twenty issues, which I don't think is something. Well, Marvel certainly Marvel would never have let given it. it yeah, the, you the get chance six. to get to this exactly. Um, That'll do China. That's what they would have said. That's what they always say. Um, but I really, I really like this book. It's just good superhero fun. Yeah, it's not the strongest art that this series has had. But it's good. It's capable. It's capable. Yeah. Com- you know, it's competent superhero comics. Absolutely. Um, and Chubby uh, Batman shall forever be my favorite Batman. Yeah, actually, that, that's the one thing that the artist Brent Peoples does really well. It shows the big bat gut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> while in battle, really, really well. Uh, inks by Matt Santarelli in Hi Fi on colors. It's a great book. Highly it recommended. Is. And if you want something different out of DC, it doesn't get more different than this. Absolutely. <coughs> um, so I'm finally. I've, I don't know. I've probably said it in the past. Red Hood and the Outlaws. Uh, has been doing this bizarre, kind of smart bizarro. It was like quite a sweet book for so long where you have this, you know, simple, um, misunderstood bizarro who's mm-hmm. been experimented on his whole life, finally find friends in Red Hood and Artemis. But now he's like not just a genius, but also a genius that's like, you know, created his own brother eye and is doing too much. And, and right. now it's like Red Hood and Artemis have to like secretly take him down. Mm. I don't really want that. So no. I'm not going to read this book anymore. Cool. Nice one. Um, and uh, also, um, I read <laughs> Suicide Squad, issue 35, after enjoying the Cyspuria, um two issues that we got um, last yeah, month. Yeah, I saw that he wasn't writing it anymore, so I just didn't pick it up. Yeah, so we, we, who have we got? We've got... Um, uh, Someone Williams, right? Rob Williams? I think it's just... I think Rob Williams has returned because he's doing a, 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 a follow-up to um, some of the stuff that happened in his early run. So Rob Williams has written this with Eduardo... Pansica on pencils um, and Julio Ferreira on inks with Adriano Lucas on colors. Um, and uh, this is, uh, yeah, the Suicide Squad coming head to head with Damage, which is what happened at the end of that number one. Boo. When are we going to get, like, are, are we getting second issues of all of these new DC No, comics? this is the new age of DC. You just one get issue one. only. You just get one, <laughs> specifically for us to read on our podcast. Then the uh, next issue is also a number one. So yeah, all ha- number one. Half of this issue was them trying to take down damage, and it was just like, just... did they manage it? Did they just wait for an hour until he stopped being damaged anymore? No, you just they, you, they just cut away to something else. Oh, so, that's good. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll find out what happens in in the in the damage issue that I definitely won't read. Oh, is that Static Shock at the end? Though? No, it's a character hack who died uh, uh. earlier in the run. She's back, baby, uh. and she's got 
She's got revenge on her mind. She's downloaded nice. some revenge. And she's going to upload some pain onto the squad. <laughs> <coughs> That's good. Um, I read Justice League of America issue 24. Why? Because it had Promethea on the cover. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Whoa. So the classic Alan Moore creation, Promethea, Alan Moore is not dead, but has been spinning in his grave lately with all that DC have been doing with his creations. Um, How funny that she didn't show up in uh, Dark Knight's Metal. Yeah, Like I know. all the other returned characters. Yeah. Um, I actually quite enjoyed this issue. Promethea is kind of a bit irrelevant. Like, she just kind of shows up and is like, mm, yes, the power of imagination. And that's kind of what saves the day. Um, she sings that song from Willy Wonka. <laughs> Come with That would me. be way better. Really? <laughs> uh, yes. But I, I quite like this. I think Steve Orlando has done a really good job of building up these characters. Going off, like, one issue. But this is the first comic I think I've been, like, liked Vixen. And... Lobo is quite good. Right, good. And like this character, the Ray, I think he's done a good job with. I might actually continue reading this because Killer Frost is a surprisingly like good protagonist and she does all the sort of voiceover and narration hmm. and stuff. I, I, I quite liked it. Do any of the characters steal a jet ski? No one steals a jet ski, but Hard Promethea pass. does ride up on a jet ski made of imagination. Oh, really? Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also read. Wonder Woman, issue 40. Has Diana lost her brother? No. Has James Robinson ever spoken to a woman? Questionable. Um, <laughs> this ongoing story about Wonder Woman's new brother continues to be boring and uneventful, and Silver Swan continues to be a bad villain, but the art by Emanuela Lupacino and Carmen Carnero is quite good. Right. That's Interesting. It. Yeah. Um, it's just really boring. I don't... I, uh, what happened to James Robinson? Why is he writing such average comics? I mean, he's just... He's very... He's always been very hit and miss. Starman is an incredible run. Um, the, the, go- the Golden Age... Like, when he's writing Golden Age stuff, he's so he's he's so good. Or Golden Age kind of, you know, throwback stuff. And yeah. then I loved Airboy. Yeah. Even though it was controversial. I, I really, really loved that comic. Yeah, I thought that was good too. Um, but anyway, it seems to, this arc is over. I also... I really hate the um way that they've chosen to letter like the the scene introductions and like the title of the book it's in this like really really girly like curly script and i think it's weird and ugly and it's got flowers on it girls are disgusting girls are disgusting i hate this luckily there's no girls in michael cray issue number um issue number six six five five is it five five Five. cool pass me that uh that one you just read wonder woman Ew, it's got girls on it. Uh, Michael Cray, issue number five. So, Michael Cray, this has been spinning out of the Wildstorm universe that Warren Ellis has been writing, and Warren Ellis co-wrote this with Brian Hill, uh, who I think I did Brian Hill. This is, this is definitely Brian Hill's book, I guess, yeah. based on an idea by Warren Ellis, uh, with art by N. Stephen Harris, who's, like, pencils, like, it's very different, but I'm really warming to it. I know. It's <clears> occasionally, like, really wonky. Yes. But I love it. Um, and uh, in, in this series... Um, Oh, wow, you've got breakdowns in this issue by Larry Hammer. Cool. That's cool. Um, and uh, inks by Dexter Vines with Andy Owens. Um, but, uh, yeah, in this, uh, in, in this book, we get Michael Cray basically dealing with, like, this murderous version of uh, different members of the Justice League in, this old, uh, you know, in the Wildstorm universe. Um, and uh, in this one, we see Aquaman introduces a literal monster that lives in New Zealand, and the locals have to... Uh, send him offerings of people to yes. eat in return for them for Aquaman to give them rare fish, which then they sell, and that that's how their village survives. 
It's great. There's it's so nothing cool. more appealing to me than the opening panel just saying New Zealand. <laughs> more coming set in New Zealand, please. I'm going to New Zealand in less than a month, which means we're going to have to skip a week or do or do a double up week again. <laughs> you looking forward to that? Yeah. I'm jealous. Um, I've never been to New Zealand. Um, this will be my sixth visit. That's unfair. You should well, have at least one visit. Yeah. I'd, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll drop one down, down. Yeah. You want to stay with Nate and look after my baby and I'll go with your family? Sounds great. great. I would have a great time yeah, being, nice. being two dads with Nate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sitcom rating. <laughs> um, this book is just great. It's so fun and like violent and silly and such a like satisfying read for DC fans. Definitely. Love it. It's great. Highly recommended to everybody. Absolutely. Those are the DC reviews. We've done Woo! Image and we've done Marvel, which means the only thing left to do is other publishers this week. And oh my golly, that's a big pile of other publishers. Um, let's kick things off with Boom. Boom this week put out Judas, issue number three of four. Uh, a great book being written by Jeff Loveness and Jacob Rebelka, which um, kind of retells the death of Jesus Christ from the point of view of Judas, the uh, man who betrayed him mm-hmm. but and, and was there, thus condemned to hell forever. Mm-hmm. But... This is Judas coming to the realization that he was always born to play or destined to play the role of the villain in this, whereas Jesus was destined to play the role of the hero. And it's kind of like a meta commentary of people who are doomed to their parts Mm -hmm. in in, in stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we see all of the things that Jesus said uh, in his final days come back to bite him in the ass as he joins Judas in hell in this issue. Um, This is awesome. It's so good, guys. The art is so... (coughs) like beautiful and chilling and the colors i think i think rebelka does his own colors and they're perfect really really unsettling not sort of the fire and brimstone that you're used to all these sort of dark slate grays Mm. really really great do we both we both come from christian families yeah yeah i was uh semi-catholic I was very Catholic, mm. forced. At, I was. I, I, I had. It was like if I lived in their house, I had to go to church every Sunday. Really? But now they've laxed on that completely, which is <laughs> hilarious. It's like now that they've moved out, they're like, oh yeah, it's, church kind of sucks. <laughs> they still go, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't know. Like, I would love to give this to my dad. I think he would really yeah. love it. But I also don't know if it would upset him. Hmm. I don't think it's like, uh, like. Uh, I think it's a definitely an interesting look and an interesting take, but it, I don't think this is like a negative spin on Jesus, you know, like it's not some sort of sweet atheist bros kind of, yeah, see, God's an asshole. Fuck that guy. Religion's preacher. for idiots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. This is a bit, um, this is quite nuanced and quite um, sensitive and I really like it. I like it a lot. I think this is great. Yeah. Very clever. Really clever. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it, concludes as well mm. if either judas or jesus will be redeemed in each other's eyes or in 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 the eyes of the story yeah absolutely it's really cool it's a very 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 clever book absolutely it's provoked some <laughs> my um <coughs> uh nate's dad is a preacher and so we've had some interesting conversations off the back of this book awesome so he's been reading it no we just, just brought up a couple of points and yeah right he so seemed annoyed nate enjoying it yeah awesome. really likes it cool interesting mm. um so why'd you read that yeah, well, I've just been reading it since it started coming out. <laughs> so, Boom put, has been You're publishing hilarious. a book that's been written and drawn by Frank Cho, visionary writer and artist, Frank yeah. Cho. Um, and I, I was drawn to Lover it first. Lover of boobs. Well, my God. I'll, I'll show you the, most, the awkward, most awkward panel that I read yes, this please. week. Yes, please. 
Um, Just while you find it, I'm just going to bring up the fact that um, George, owner of King's Comics, found yet another box of these like sexy Frank Cho pens in the King's Comics warehouse. If you like the kind of pen that when you flip it upside down, a woman's underpants drop off. What? Yeah. And it says Frank Cho on it? They're, they're like produced by Frank Cho. They have his website on them. Oh my God. That's so funny. Put it upside down oh, and her underpants come off. It was my Valentine's Day present to Nate. That's amazing. Guess what I'm doing as soon as we hit stop? I'm going to turn some pens upside down, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Um, so th- this is the most awkward, oh my God. This, this, this comic is called Skyborn and yeah, like, uh, Frank Cho, very, very for funny. someone who doesn't know what, like to someone who draws a lot of boobs, yeah. he doesn't really know how they work, like gravity wise. Yeah. He's just, or he's just very, co- yeah. He's, what? Why isn't that woman wearing a bra? <laughs> um, Frank Cho. She, this, this woman while putting a top back, a, a t-shirt over her naked body says, what, haven't you seen boobs before? And then a doctor who was staring at her says, not that big and perky. A master of dialogue. Uh, Skyborn is a, a, a book about um, boobs. A, immortal siblings. Um, and it's kind of like, what if Greg Rucker's The Old Guard was written by a penis pump? <laughs> um, and the, the fi- Okay, that's way more compelling than <laughs> yeah. I think that comic is. Uh, it's, 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 it's really, really <laughs> stupid and, and, and cupcake-y bullshit. Cheesecake-y. Um, cheesecake-y. I was a cupcake. Oh, whatever. Um, Cupcakes are delicious. And it took Cho f- two years to do five issues. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you have this extremely silly story about immortals versus... Um, uh, Merlin, <laughs> oh, um, but at one point they open, they open up a gate to hell and Cthulhu comes out, which is a pretty brilliant double spread. That's pretty nice. Um, but it's a very stupid comic. It is. Like Frank Cho is a very stupid man who can draw. He can draw some great gravita- gravity defying tits and, and big monsters. monkeys and explosions. That's a good explosion dinosaurs. too. Good, good explosions. explosions. He's very good at a lot of things. Yeah, he's in, like I mean, that, that's this, an okay buff man. Yeah, he's good at like bustly, uh, muscly dudes too. Oh, but that's nice. Like I, I, he's a, he's a great artist, I think. Yeah, he is. But he just I is, love French art. He's just a, a head case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just what, the funniest thing about Skyborn is that Boom put it out. Like Boom are like you know really running the relay for like the most woke comic book publisher in 2018. Yeah, totally. Which is very hard to do in the, a very woke platform for the most yeah. part. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that Skyborn. But then they're like, no, no, we still need those like sweet, sweaty old man dollars. Yeah, dollars. <laughs> yeah, great. Anyway, uh, on the more work side of the spectrum, we get Grass Kings issue number 12, written by Matt Kint with art by Tyler Jenkins and Hillary Jenkins. Um, the story of a murder mystery taking place in a um, off-the-grid community called mm-hmm. the Grass Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this one kind of delves back into the history of... Um, one of the um, policemen from outside of the community who's kind of been the thorn in this community's side since mm-hmm. this uh, series started. and uh, Sheriff Humbert. Yeah, and I, I just, this this book's really captivating and unique um, yep. from an art point of view, but also now that the story is really emerging, it actually reminds me a lot of the way that like the, the, this murder mystery has affected so many people's lives. It reminds me of the true crime comic book, The Green River Killer, mm-hmm, um, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Yep. Um, and then there's, there's moments in this that remind me of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's cool that they've managed to stretch this out. Like we're only now just really getting to this sort of murder mystery. Yeah, um, which is extremely satisfying, and it's um, 
yeah, now we sort of know all the characters, get to see all the pieces move, and it's really good fun. I love it. And um, I'm not sure which uh, which beautiful King's Co- King's Comics member has been responsible for making sure I always get the weird new variants, which are kind of done like. Thank you so much, Jim. I get these uh, great variants, the Grass Kings, that are done like oh, like say old romance novels. Mm. Jim knows the books I actually collect to make sure as I always get the best variants. <laughs> uh, so you're talking about the Mighty Crusaders. I'm going to go refill this tea so I stop coughing and spluttering. Excellent. So I read um, issue three of the Mighty Crusaders, which is out through Dark Circle, which is the Archie Comics um, like superhero line. So like the Black Hood and all those kind of characters are in it. This is written by Ian Flynn, who wrote something else that we talked about the other week, the name of which I can't remember, with pencils by Kelsey Shannon, lettering by Jack Romilly, inks by Ryan Jampol, colors by Matt Herms. Jampol's a good last name. Um, so this is just sort of a very pared down superhero universe. And this reads like the the next generation of a superhero universe which has only been around for two generations so we just get to see like the new version of oh man i can't remember her name whatever crusader whatever no that's not what her name is anyway she's good sort of like the captain america figure it's going really well without you levens i must say Um, (laughs) (laughs) um but no this was like a big big superhero fight it's like the team learning to work together still and I find this incredibly satisfying. The art sort of reminds me of like a Ryan Otley, especially this big um, cool, fun dino, monster. Yep. dino guy, evil dino bro. Um, I, I really enjoy this. It's like I would recommend to anyone who's like kids are into superheroes but find the whole DC and Marvel universe is fairly overwhelming. Um, definitely check out the Mighty Crusaders. I think that yeah, the, looks, the, looks like the Dark fun. Circle are doing good stuff. Saturday morning cartoon. Yes, very Saturday yeah. morning cartoon. So that was written by Ian Flynn. Yes. Um, and he was also the co-writer on this week's issue of Archie. Ah, there you go. I was like, he wrote What's something he else, but I couldn't remember what it was. Uh, Mark Wade, the other writer on this, and art by Audrey Mock. And um, look, I've, I've loved a lot of this series um, since it started. Um, mm-hmm. Kelly Fitzpatrick on Colors too. But mm-hmm. I think this issue, I was like, you know what? Time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I think I'm done. Which makes me sad. But there was a moment in this that really fucking made me stop and go like, you know what? Fuck you, Mark Wade. You're not allowed to write teen girls anymore. Because there is a moment where Betty and Veronica, um, where Veronica goes to Betty, you're a size zero, right? And Betty goes, I wish. And I know that's an incredibly throwaway line, but... Like, teen girls don't need more fucking complexes about their fucking weight from <laughs> Betty and Veronica. Mark Wade, you old man. Like, it really, really took me out of it and really made me, like, cross. Like, <laughs> I'm getting quite, like, angry about it right no, now. No, fair enough. Because yeah. it's just, it's super unnecessary. Like, we can look at them and we can see that they're tiny. And, like, there's a moment in the book earlier where, like, all these other girls that Archie's been trying to date... Like, there's a fun little montage of them, and one of them looks bigger. And so you're like, ooh, how progressive. Good job, Mark Wade. And then there's, like, this throwaway line about how great it is to be size zero. Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> anyway. We also have in the issue Reggie just coming, turning into, like, an evil 
evil mastermind. Yeah, talking to himself in a way that wasn't entirely clear what the fuck was going on. Like there was no there was no need for him to be talking out loud throughout that whole bit. Make it fucking thought balloons. Um, and then there's bizarre um, crossovers, but not really to other Archie properties like the Mighty Crusaders mm-hmm. um, and that stupid Cosmo book that I read a while ago. Mm-hmm. That, that they felt bizarre, like that they tried to integrate that into the, an Archie comic. Yeah. Um, like it wasn't cute. And no. then you have like really, really strange um the Mr. Blossom from yeah. from jail stuff. I'm like I don't care about any of these plot points anymore. No. I'm done. Like And I, like bad exposition just yeah. It's a bummer because like this was such a great, great series for so long and I think it was yeah. I, I maybe Ian Flynn's taking over at some point. I, I this is the this of all books this should have a female writer. Yes. Doing Why do we not have a female writer? Because on no Archie? one reads Archie for Archie. No. Like, no. No one does. He's not the point of the book. But but also I bet even Veronica comic like has to be about something that less than all of Riverdale. Yeah. So I, I want I don't know, I, I just think this this book more than anything needs a really, really great young female writer on it. Yeah. Keep keep Audrey Mock. She's great. She's doing great work on it. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's time it's time for Mark Wade to put on his old man hat and pack up his bag and leave Riverdale. Especially that cover. That cover is so good. It's a gorgeous cover. Um, also, not enough Jughead in general in this book. He does a few good things throughout each issue, but he's just, you know, I, I want him to be center stage every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. Especially now that he doesn't have own series anymore. Yeah. It's so funny that, like, now people know who Jughead is. Like, a <laughs> bunch of teen girls. Were like, who's that on your back? And I was like, oh, it's a tattoo of Jughead. They were like, from Riverdale. <laughs> I was like, sort of. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't get someone with a needle nose. Nope. Uh, so, Ghost Money came out this week, why, and that why, is. Why do I keep missing this? I don't know. It's a real bummer. You have to wait for that. What What will definitely be an unbelievably beautiful trade. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Money is an incredible, um, bizarre future tale. Um, that's been uh, re- been translated uh, by Lionforge, uh, written by Terry Smolderin, and uh, incredible, very, like, Dominique Bertail. I assume Dominique can be anything but a female's name, right? Because they're, yeah, I, I'll look it up. Because uh, there are moments in this, like, like, the two main characters spend a lot of time, like, topless around each other, mm-hmm. and it, it isn't creepy. Mm. Um, it's, it's really, really, like just kind of beautiful, mm. but also in not in a voyeuristic way. We, although a lot of this... Oh, no, it's a man. There you go. Crazy. I thought for sure that Dominique Bertel was, was a woman. Nope. Nope. Just, just a, a pervy French man. Yep. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there are moments of real creep-out stuff in this book, but there are still moments of, of like, you know, quite sweet female friendship um, amongst the pages. Uh, but this, the bulk of this book is about, like, like terrorism and and, money. and the money that's that's gained through terrorism mm-hmm. um and then like you know weird future inventions mm-hmm. and stock market stuff and the CIA and secret agencies and government allegiances and crazy technology it's so great um it's and so hard to explain and then at the heart of it is this female friendship and and then at the moment the two main characters are separated mm-hmm. and um one of them knows that they can't say what they really think in front of the other one for reasons. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a phenomenal, unique series. Um, Absolutely. This is issue seven of ten, so there's three more issues left until we get a very, very beautiful trade collected of this. Lionforge do amazing trades for yeah. their uh, translated books. 
Um, and then the, the advertising at the back, there's so many things that Lion Forge are doing soon that look and sound so great. Mm. Um, they're putting out a big collection this week, this month, called Black Comics Returns. Oh, yeah. That's already come this? out. That's already come out? It? Oh, no. Shit. All right, I'm, I'll go home with that today. Yeah. Um, it's we, a really big hardcover. Really? Yeah. Okay, yikes. Um, takes Beautiful, up, though. Takes, yeah, fill up my backpack with that. Um, and then there's another one thing called uh, Infinity 8 which is a wild and pulpy eight-part sci-fi mystery by a parade of Europe's biggest comic book all-stars. Cool. Um, and it just looks really, really, really fun and right up our alley. Yes, that uh, does look fun. Love you, Lion Forge. Keep putting out that good stuff. Yes, please. Um, let's do Dark Horse now. Um, we got, I got the finale of Jenny Finn, which is the recolored uh, edition of an old book written by Mike Mignola with art by Troy Nixie. Although on this issue, um, the art was by Farrell Dalrymple. Um, oh, cool. Which is really cool. And, yeah, maybe one of the, f- the earliest things he's done, I guess. That's awesome. Um, 1999, this was done, this book. Um, it's been oh, it re- feels so 90s. Re- recolored by Dave Stewart. And it's like, yeah, it's Mignola by numbers, but in, mm. a, in a great way. You know, you've got... Um, uh, spooky Victorian Spooky Cthulhu. Victorian stuff. Yeah, what, what, what I was trying to... Yeah, Lovecraftian, yeah. like big, big fish monsters and all that. Yeah. And then like, you know, real dark humor and uh, super fun. Yeah, like set... Set during the you know Victorian times, mm-hmm. and there's like this big monstrous threat that man has brought upon itself, and it's up to one guy to try and save all of humanity. Cool, so much fun, and, and also like a very moments of like silliness. And if you if you enjoyed um, that Guillermo del Toro movie, The Shape of Water, that came out, mm. there's, there are, there are comparison points to be made between this. Although there's no fish fucking. Oh, actually, no, there totally is. Huh. There you go. Cool. <laughs> if you want to see more fish getting fucked. <laughs> Definitely pick this one up. Horrible. Um, cool. So uh, over to Giants issue three. Did no, you drop this here? Yeah. Why? Because I missed one and then I couldn't be bothered picking up the other one. This is there so was, good. There was a whole bunch of stuff that I decided not to read this week so that I could finish reading uh, The Prince and the Dressmaker. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Have you finished that now? Yeah. We'll talk about that on the, uh, our next uh, bonus episode. Yeah. But everyone buy it. Yeah. Super good. Sneak uh, peek. The Valderrama brothers have done a, uh, a comic called Giants. And um, in this book, we see um, two brothers separate in, in, a, in a weird uh, alternate realm uh, where there are enormous giant monsters everywhere. And the, the monsters secrete um, this very powerful um, kind of substance called, uh, what's it called? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's an explosive substance. And so it's kind of like the, the most valuable thing in this world. And the two brothers are separated. One of them is like in the same world as the monsters. The other one is kind of like in the city mm-hmm. and both trying to, uh, to survive. Um, and uh, in this one, this one focuses only on the brother surrounded by monsters and how he is one of the few who survives in this issue. And it's quite, it, it, it gets the darkest the series has ever gotten um, in just three issues, but it's great. The art's cool. awesome. Um, it's really, really cool. Amber Noir is n- the name of the weird substance that the monsters create that can, that can be used as a weapon. Cool. Really awesome. Art looks great. Brilliant art. Um, Bodshot Salvation came out through Valiant this week, issue number six, um, setting up the next kind of arc, mm-hmm. um, which is still going, we, we know is going to lead to the disappearance of Bloodshot mm-hmm. um, and uh, how his, uh, how his da- daughter is, ra- is, beca- like, is raised. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty so fun. Yeah, I love this book. It's written, written by Jeff Lemire with yeah. art by Renato Guedes. Um, letters by Simon Bolins. So very like really ultra sort of painted, like uh, 
it's quite stilted, I suppose. I don't normally love it, but I liked it in this issue. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of all really uh, over-dramatic kind of tableaus and stuff like that, which I'm, I am all the way here for. Um, I Alex really Rossian. like this book a lot. A lot, a lot. I, lo- I love Ninjak's presence in this. Like, yeah. so much, I wish that I liked the Ninjak book more because I really like Ninjak when he shows up in other Valiant books, but that current Ninjak book is not, not scratching the itch I want scratched. Well, this issue was great. Oh, great. There you go. Um, but yeah, bl- bl- Bloodshot Salvation, I guess, you know, I don't really have much more to say. You know, normally when you get these ones that set up the next arc, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, cool. So that's happening. So I guess yeah. we can talk on it on the next issue when it I comes mean, out. The final page, like, Spoilers, I guess. But the final page is just totally black and just says in text in the middle, I had brought my baby daughter to hell and I was blind. Great. Real good I'm on board. Um, I did read uh, Ninjak issue four, written by Christos Gage, with art by Juan Jose Rip. Um, And this was mostly fun because we get to meet Ninja G, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Ninjag. Ninjag, um, who is the first female and also the first black ninja in the ninja program. Um, And this is all about the Acclamation Bureau, who are the people who made sure that none of the ninjas had any sort of personal life. Um, And Ninjak is deciding to take them down. This was just really good fun. Cool. All right, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go back and read this when it's finished. Um, very exciting, Valiant news is that we're getting another Secret Weapons um, tie-in Zero issue. Yeah, I saw that. Very exciting. Um, I love everything we get from that world. Yeah, um, it's good fun. Uh, so that's really cool. And then after that, the writer of um, the writer of that series, um, mm-hmm. his name escapes me right now. I'm trying to find the ad so I can tell you what his name is. Uh, but he is co-writing with Matt Kent the next um, uh, Harbinger Wars. Oh, that's Interesting. Yeah, uh, Eric Hayes. Fuck. Hysera. Hysera, and Raul Allen is back uh, to do art on that one too. Great. So very, very fucking exciting. Very exciting. Secret weapons. Owen story zero coming very soon. That's great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm into it. Uh, so I've got two books that um, Siobhan did not read. I wish you should, you should just start picking this yeah, up and reading it. You know what? I did pick it up, and I was just kind of a bit confused. And we'd already sold out of the first issue, and I Damn. sort of feel like this is something that I will love. So I kind of want to wait. Sure. Trade. So um, I'm talking about Pals, P-A-U's, Atlas, and Axis, which is a Titan book. Comes out through their translation um, imprint, uh, Statics Press. Um, and uh, this is uh, a comic uh, about a, gr- a pair of dogs. Um, it's, it's all anthropomorphic animals mm-hmm. um, on a voyage to save uh, all the other dogs from their community. Um, after a, a, it's like a Viking book, basically with animals. Um, and wolves came to their town and and killed all the men and and and, and stole all their women. Um, and so we see them kind of it opens with them kind of taking shelter from a <clears throat> um, an, in an inn. That's that's run by um, a, a friendly bear whose name is Honey. Lovely. And then she, um, when, when they finally, you know, work up the strength to go save their women, <coughs> um, that she gives them her boat to go um, to go save the day. And there's a big twist when they get there, um, and some absolutely brilliant. Like it's so beautiful, incredible art. Just you know, like reminiscent of like that Robin Hood Disney movie. Yeah. Um. And uh. But also just you know unmistakably European. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's so much fun. It's I love it. I love this. Um. One of the best things I read. I read this week. Super unique. And it can be you know even though it's quite cute and fun, it's really really grisly and and grim in parts as well. Mm. So it's something for everyone, psychopaths and uh, and normal people. <laughs> Um, it's great. I love this. All the, all the characters are so well defined, and yet they're you know animals who don't speak that much. Yeah, really cool reminds me of um, like Mouse Guard. Definitely. Um, finally, the comic that you've all been waiting for me to review this issue, 
Uh, this episode, Chasing Hitler, number three of four. Finally. Out through Red 5 Comics, um, written by uh, Haley Nitz with Jethro Morales and Marie Enger on art. Have they found Hitler yet? No, but they're f- trying to f- chase Hitler. They, nice. The chase has begun. Good, <clears throat> Three finally. issues in, and, and, they're, and they're chasing. Basically, um, this book revolves around um, Hitler not actually dying in World War II, setting it up so it looks like he did. But it's up to two British spies to try and track chase Hitler and Ava Brown, um, and uh, and take him out. But that look, cheeky little Hitler. That cheeky Ava Brown, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's like it's not a good book, but it <laughs> certainly is one that I'm reading, and it's fun enough. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is one that I am read. Uh, so that is the last fantastic review of uh, of this long episode, featuring many many comics reviewed. Um, Siobhan, it's been a pleasure doing all 100 episodes of this podcast with you. It's been lovely. Especially the ones that you weren't there for. Those are the best ones. <laughs> um, not except the ones that I did by myself. They sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, they seemed rough. Um, Judging by my one attempt to talk about something <laughs> in this episode when you were there. Um, but a massive thanks has to go out to everyone that's listened to the podcast, especially those of you who have been here since we started. Yeah. I um, mean, there's no real hierarchy, but it is cool that... No, there is. There's an official <laughs> ranking that I keep in a yep. diary. Um, and obviously a massive um, thank you to King's Comics for allowing us to do this podcast. Yeah, thanks, it's guys. It's really, really cool to hit this milestone. Obviously, we wouldn't be able to. Were they not so generous in letting us uh, read all their comics mm-hmm. as they come in? Mm-hmm. Um, big shout outs to all the staff here, especially those of the voices that you've heard on the podcast. Jim, Lynn, Wayne. Who else has uh, showed up? Um, random good. beeping, boxes being taped. The Scots. Scots. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a, a, a crazy thing that when we, when we started it, it was just Shimon and I wanting to find an outlet to talk about comics. Yeah. But now it is like a, an actual job. Yeah. <clears throat> and something that takes up a lot of our weeks. Yeah. <laughs> It is a surprising amount of work, guys. Um, so if you are if you are listening to this podcast and aren't you know part of our community or in touch with us online, please do get in touch with us and let us know what you like about the podcast, what comics you like, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. We love talking about comics with anybody. We have a group, which is facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast, where you can talk about comics with us and many others all damn day. Um, and also just with regular Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash serious issues podcast. Um, we're on Twitter at serious underscore underscore issues or mm-hmm. individually at Siobhan CBG at Levdog L-E-V-D-A-W-G um, and we have a Patreon page if you would want to throw a couple bucks our way um, so we can allow ourselves a bit more time to do bonus stuff and mm-hmm. maybe do some interviews in the future or some mm-hmm. uh, extra graphic novel episodes uh, there's a whole bunch of about 10 hours of extra podcasts for you to listen to if you want to join our Patreon page you get access to that straight away patreon.com slash serious podcast thank you so much a hundred times. Just pretend I said thank you a hundred times. Yep. I probably said it about 20. So we're not, it's not, not, not the further stretch of your imagination. Just times that by five. Yeah. And here's to another 900 episodes oh, of God. serious issues. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thanks, uh, Levens. See you next week. See Bye. you later. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. (laughs) We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.